You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. This is episode three, and we have a really exciting show planned for you today. We have a special guest on the show, Ralx. We also will be talking about the all-new update 2.1.4 that just came out. We'll talk about the last word quest, major sandbox changes, whisper mission changes, and much more on today's episode of the Destiny Show Podcast. 
As a reminder, the Destiny Show podcast can be found on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and more. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com for the latest Destiny news, reviews, and our shenanigans. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Destiny Show and all of our latest episodes. So we have a really exciting show planned for everybody. We have a special guest, Ralx, on the show. Ralx is actually a well-respected member of the Destiny community. He has been a Raid Sherpa for the last four months, and he's been playing Destiny 2 since beta. And uh, he is also a clan member of Glass Perspective Clan. And we attempted the Day 1 Scourge of the Past raid. And we didn't succeed, but we made a valiant effort. And he has over 40 raids under his belt as a Sherpa. And he has proven himself as the leader amongst all Guardians. So, Ralx, welcome to the show. I feel like I'm on a massive pedestal right now. <laughs> I'm totally honest. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, excited to talk Destiny with you guys, uh, and so on. It's really great to have you on the show, and I've enjoyed playing Destiny with you every single time that we've played. And you're just a really cool guy. You're just awesome to play with, very patient with Guardians, and you're somebody who is a positive influence on this community, and we need more people out there like you, really. Well, I appreciate all that. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Uh, and I enjoyed playing the Scourge of the Past with you as well. Ditto. And we also have our co-hosts, Shadow Price. What's up, homie? What is going on? How is everything? Exciting week. Lots, lots of stuff to talk about today. We have... A big update in Destiny. We have a new quest and a new old exotic that we can get in the game. And we're going to talk more about that in uh, much greater detail today. How's your week going? Uh, it's going pretty good, actually. Feeling a lot better this week. Got my voice back for the most part. So I'm ready to dig into this uh, Destiny 2 content. Definitely. So we have Ralx on the show this week. He has been a member of this community since the beginning of Destiny 2. He's been playing since beta, and he's become a form of a leader in this community, and he is he helps fellow Guardians to get through their rating each week. And let's... Mostly just the first raids. Okay. Once, once I get people through the first one, they usually find their little own little groups and go off. They don't want to talk to you afterwards. They only care about you on the first run. So the clan updates its roster every week, and so I've got every week I've got newer guys to get through, and I've already taken the other new guys through, and so they're capable of finding their own group and getting through the raid on their own now. They, they, they no longer need me to Sherpa them while I'm chirping the other new people, although we do raid from some time. I've got my A team that I talk with a lot. That was my original team for the 24-hour challenge. How often do you raid each week? Um, recently or <laughs> recently I haven't been raiding too much. Uh, I've got a lot of real life stuff coming in too. I have an archery competition I want to compete in and I've got a lot of freelance graphic design that I've been doing. So I haven't been raiding too much recently, but back when I was raiding a lot, I was doing a raid a day. 
So that's seven raids a week. Wow. Do, do most players get it after their first try and everything? So the biggest thing with the first try of the raid, the first try is going to take you the longest. If you're taking a brand new group into Leviathan and none of them have done it yet, you're expecting a four to five hour commitment. Okay, about one hour for yeah. each encounter. Now, if they go in the week after, that time will easily cut in half. Okay, but right. after the one, the first time is going to take you the longest, and that's going to be the most frustrating. And that's where a lot of new players will drop off the radar if you don't stay with them throughout the entire raid. They'll just stop raiding altogether because they didn't get it that one time and they spent five hours doing it and they were so close and they don't want to do it anymore because it just takes forever and they didn't really finish it. So yeah, the first raid experience is incredibly important for newer people. That makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Now, do you find that most people drop off after the first raid or does it motivate them to want to keep playing the game and just getting it done more i noticed that a lot of people want newer players want to raid they want to do it they'd love to do it a hard part is when they go to lfg groups to find a group if you're a solo player to raid you're gonna run into a wall of people saying hey we're doing leviathan you have to have cleared it before yeah. and they get stuck in this whole loop of well, I've never done it before, so the groups aren't letting me in, so I can't do it, so I can't find a group to do it, and they just never get the raid done. Once they've done it once, most people will raid again, at least until they have the gear they want. There is gear they are looking for. The raid gear is huge. Um, a lot of people raid Leviathan until they have a midnight queue. Once they have it, they won't raid it again unless their friends are. It comes up back to community in a lot of ways. Your first raid you're going to go through because you want to do it. Second time you go through, or the second times you go through, you're going to do it for the loot that you want. And the third time, the long-term raiding experience is down to the community and down to them playing with other friends. Playing with their friends again and going through the content and just having a good time doing the raid. Because it takes a lot – it's a more concentrated effort than something like a public event, and it feels a lot bigger and grander. And the reason why you have people doing the same raid over and over and over again outside of uh, things like an the Anarchy and – the thousand voices is because they're just playing with their friends and they enjoy the raid and so if they don't have a lot of friends online in the game they're going to drop off after they get their loot if they do have friends online in the game they're going to keep going and that's the deciding factor i've noticed that the common theme around a lot of players who done their first raid or don't normally have a group to play with is that they find the the entry point very challenging to get into a group to play the raid because a lot of players have set expectations for what they want you to have in terms of your loadout and the experience they expect for you to have when getting into the raids. So it is more difficult for newer players to get in with groups unless they have friends who are already playing Destiny, who have you know characters already built up and established to be able to play those activities. Right. And it, again, it comes down... Part of the problem is it comes down to other people in the LFG forms. The reason why they say you have to have one raid clear is because they've already done it before. They're doing it for the loot. They're, they're in their second time doing it, and they're not interested in spending five hours trying to get a new group through. They just want to go in, get their loot, and get out because they may not have the five hours to commit to it. A lot of people who play Destiny have jobs, and they just don't have enough time to take a brand new group through the entire raid. It's not that they don't want to. Some don't, but can't exactly fault them for that it's a stressful thing taking a new group through 
and they want to get their loot. So they don't want to take someone new because they're worried that they're going to bring them down, and they have to work in an hour, so they've got to get this done in an hour, which is doable, but you've got to have a team that knows what they're doing. Yeah, people's time is valuable and everything, you know, more than anything. It it is, and that's, I think, that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't think a lot of people will accept newer players into their team is they've they've got work in an hour, they've got to pick up their kids from school in an hour, they've got an hour to get this done, and if they don't get it done, it's oh well, and they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot by bringing a new player along. That was me during Crota's end in D1. <laughs> in the middle of the raid, I had to go pick up my kids. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, could not, not. It's not like you can leave them there. there. Exactly. Hey, so, man, sometimes yeah. you have IRL stuff, you know, real life happens. Well, it's not sometimes, all the time. Most people, when they're gaming Destiny 2, they're gaming in their free time of the day. They've got things before and after Destiny 2. They've got a finite amount of time they can spend in the game. You can't expect everybody to pick up an entirely new raid group and go through. But that's also stopping a lot of people from entering the raid. The first raid you do is going to be the hardest one you get into. The very first raid, it's going to be difficult to find a group. The group is going to be a stressed group if they're all new to the raid, and it's probably going to fall apart multiple times before you get your first clear. Once you get your first clear, that opens up all of the LFGs that say, hey, if you've done it before, we can have you. But that first clear is going to be the hardest, it's going to be stressful, and you're going to lose your mind. Even if it's an easier raid, if, if it's your first raid in a Destiny game, it's going to be rough. First cut's always the deepest. I remember my first raid. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's extremely difficult, especially if you're a solo player trying to do it with other solo players who don't always have the same time schedule or don't even know if you'll see each other after that raid. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. So... Relix, I'm curious, how did you get started in the Destiny community? What motivated you to pick up Destiny when the game did come out for the PC? I like first-person shooters. I like playing on a computer. I've always loved the concept of Destiny. I'm like, oh, this is a fantastic world, you know, and I want to play in it, and it's a fun game. Um, I had just gotten myself burnt out while competing in StarCraft II. I think I got to Platinum. And I was 110% done with a thinking game. Because in StarCraft 2, you've got to think, you've got to think fast, and you've got to be doing things very quickly. And Destiny was just way more laid back, but it was fun. It was a very fun game that I played with my brothers, actually, one of who goes by the gamer tag Super Craze. And on the PS4, he does a lot of the raids, and he's actually in the upper tier of the PvP players on PS4. Very cool. That's what, it's just a fun game that I wanted to play, and so I saw the beta come out, saw all the ads, and I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. It's free to try. Tried it, and then I got with a group of three. I think it was me, my brother Super Craze, and my other brother, uh, what is his name, Tato Nine, I think is what he goes by. And what we did is we did the very first strike, and we got it down to where we could one phase every single encounter. We would one phase the first one, prep for the second encounter, one phase the second encounter, and then one phase of third encounter, and we just speed ran it so many times. It was a lot of fun. So when you were looking to play the Destiny 2, was it something that you were, it was like a feeling of mastery, like you wanted to master things in this game? Not really. I was just having a fun time. I was, I had mastered StarCraft to the point of Platinum, and I, I'm not saying that's incredible or anything, but you got to put some time in there to get there, and it's incredibly difficult. It's, I, I played that game to master it, and I played Destiny more because... I didn't have to put as much brain work in. You still have to think a bit, and you still have to play and play smart, 
but you're not micromanaging every little thing every little second and you have friends with you you're talking to I did it because me and my brothers were playing it so it's just a fun game not so much for mastery but I do like mastering things and so that probably bled into my speed running a little bit I love doing end game content I love very difficult content to do I don't like just pushing a button and it being done but Starcraft you're playing you're always playing against another person unless you finish the campaign and it's just always very very difficult have you played any other bungee games before bungee um i've played a bit of halo halo reach was my first Wait. halo it's the only one i finished but that was it you know what i'm in the same ballpark my very first bungee game was halo reach and shadow price actually got me into it yeah yeah i'm a, I'm a big time bungee fan i've been playing since uh halo Halo 2, and then you know, I went back and played the original Halo. But yeah, Halo 3, I know liked Halo 3. It was uh, awesome. And also, I wanted to ask you too, how do you like the shooting in Destiny? How does the shooting um, The shooting feel? mechanics are very... They're, they're shooting mechanics. You're not talking to a massive first-person shooter here. Uh, they feel nice, they work well, they're very effective, they're mechanically very sound. Um... But I don't mind so much. There's a game. There's another third-person shooter I play called uh, Earth Defense Force 2025. I seriously doubt you've heard of it. But it's not so much that the uh, shooting in it. Uh, is it uh, aliens? So... You're fighting aliens. It is. It is giant ants and bugs ants right now. Yeah. That's giant right. ants and bugs, and you're just defending. The, the the there's no story of the game. The story is space bugs came down. You need to get rid of them with the most ridiculous over-the-top weapons you can possibly do. It doesn't matter if you blow the city all the way to Kingdom coming back. Civilians can't be hurt. You just kill the bugs. And those shooting mechanics don't feel as nice, but that's all I can say about the shooting in Destiny. It feels like it should. It doesn't feel wrong. Yeah. And I'm not exactly a aficionado of shooting mechanics. I don't play a lot of first-person shooters. Yeah. Like that—that's what really drew me into Destiny was was the shooting, because Bungie, I feel like they're they're like king of the first-person shooters. They came up on Xbox, and you know that's where you just—it just felt so good to shoot your weapons and everything in like those games. I, yeah, they were more clunkier back then, and they've honed their craft a lot more since the original Halo days and everything. Right. But it just Bungie nails their shooters. They they just they nail the shooting I feel like and that's kind it, does, of it doesn't feel wrong but I'm not somebody who's like oh does this feel like a real gun if I wanted to shoot a real gun I'd shoot a real gun oh yeah absolutely <laughs> now Ralx do you have a favorite raid my favorite raid let's see I've done all of them my favorite is probably Scourge of the Past that's probably my favorite it's not the hardest raid but it's a very fun raid for me and I enjoy it a lot. Although the frickin' boss at the end can be a bit annoying when he decides to just walk to J.C. Penney's in the middle of it. <laughs> what does the boss kind of remind you of? Like Gundam. Some, something like that before? Maybe, yeah. maybe even Metal, Metal Gear. Gear Solid for me? Metal Gear? Like, I've looks... never played Metal Gear Solid at all, so Gundam anime for me all the way. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, big, way. it's a big mech. It's a big, it's huge a big giant robot you got to bring it down. I've liked Big Giant Robots. Uh, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of EDF, but EDF robots are way more overpowered than that. 
<laughs> I think the final boss in Scourge of the past reminds me of Dr. Robotnik in Sonic for some reason. I can just, see that. I can picture I can Dr. Robotnik right inside of this giant-ass robot, but it's just instead well, of being in, a platformer. He's in the servitor in the middle. It's canon. Yeah. Didn't you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or Dr. Wily in Mega Man. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. I actually really enjoy Scourge of the Past. It's a really fun raid, and it's very different in the mechanics that you have to go through in order to complete the the raid activity. I really like the part where you have to go through and speed through the fire. Uh, that's a really interesting mechanic that really oh. adds a fun element to the game. And then it's like, so, at the end, you're always relying on like one or two people to, to get past it. And it's, it's kind of fun. If you wanted to see a really funny moment, my A team was going through the raid and this is this is about that the sparrow run part. Okay, we're doing this for the first time, and we're doing it blind. We did it blind up until we got to the boss fight, and we were there for three hours, and then we're like, okay, what do we do? So we're doing this blind, and we see those two pads where you punch them, and you know how you go out of the door facing away from those punch pads. Mm-hmm. If you want to see what it looks like for an entire team just to run right into the giant fire servitor, you can look at my streams and find it like, I want to say it's sixteen two sixteen. There it is. Two two hours sixteen minutes in, you'll you'll see an entire raid team just face first right into that servitor, and all die. It's a big troll moment. You could definitely troll your your teammates and everything. Oh, we troll ourselves. Time. We're like, oh yeah, everybody get ready, Sparrow Run, we're going. And then we just run at the boss, and we all die, and we all bust a lung doing it. So yeah, it's yeah. great. It's good. It's good stuff. Now, do you have a favorite gun in Destiny that you like to use the most? The gun. So just my favorite one for fun, right? Just just yeah. a fun gun that I love to use. Yeah. Prometheus lens. That was really far. fun during laser tag. Uh, oh, during right when it came out, I yeah. bought it yeah. before they dropped it for everybody. It was ridiculous. Uh, my yeah. second favorite would have to be Redrix's broadsword. I'm still working on mine. I still have to finish a couple of things towards the end. I actually already ranked up my valor rank all the way at least six or seven times we actually grinded out during triple valor week yeah uh, you just need five yeah so yeah i can't wait to uh use that right now i've been really enjoying my blast furnace and that's been a really fun blast weapon. furnace is good but it's i like pulling the trigger in ammo i love fire rate submachine guns i like the hero's burden uh, back when uh, Iron Banana was a thing, I would take my Hero's Burden, my Kremil Dagger, and because I'm a 650, I could two-tap body people with Kremils. Oh, mm. it was glorious. That's that's a different playstyle. That's interesting. It's a lot different yeah. than the meta, which is which is cool. Hand cannon shotgun? <laughs> yeah. Spades, Mindbenders? Yeah, no, I love... Kremil's Dagger hits like a bus, and then I would use uh, my Hero's Burden, which has snapshot kill clip on it. Oh, okay, nice. Which so you were kind of running gunning with that. Oh, always. I love running gunning. Listen, if you're not holding down the W key and pulling your trigger, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. There was, uh, what was it, Antiope in uh, year one. I did like the really Antiope. Good. The Antiope was one of my favorites. Antiope D, yeah. That was uh, pretty powerful during that meta. Although, on the topic of submachine guns, uh, my team, my A team, has been practicing the... Uh, Niobe Labs, we're getting close to finishing it. And I gotta say, if you want, if you need a good gun for that, take Risk Runner. Just take Risk Runner. 
Oh yeah, even even for the forges too. Like, uh, so. Not so much. So Risk Runner gives you an overshield when you get hit with arc damage. Yeah. And Niobe Labs is all arc damage. So you've got overshield. You're it's reloading for you all the time. Every time you get a kill, it gets ammo. It's so good for that simply because of all of the arc damage being thrown at you. I would only take it into Iza, not Izanami, Gafanin and Bergusia. Yeah, yeah. Gafanin and Bergusia would be good. Right, yeah. That's that's kind of what I meant, actually, when I meant those two yeah. forges. But, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, so you guys are close to solving it, huh? Uh, yeah. Like We've gotten to Wave 7 a couple of times, but completing that one is, oh, that's rough. Would you say that's the hardest thing to do in the game right now? Hardest thing to do in the game. On top of? On top of, like, maybe soloing the Shattered Throne or something like that. I would say that there's a lot more teamwork involved with it. It's more of a... It's it's hard for a team because you have got to be on top of your symbols very, very quickly. Because there's a point when you get into it when you have to shoot at the symbols without seeing them. You have to shoot them blind. Wow. And it's it's not easy to do. And it's more of a team difficulty thing than a single thing. Like, you can get through Shattered Throne, and doing it solo is not hard. Just take a good long-range pulse rifle, and you're, you're pretty set. Just take it slow and steady, and you're fine. But with the Niobe Labs, you're on a timer. So I would definitely put Niobe Labs as harder than soloing Shattered Throne. Yeah, and there's not no that soloing Shattered Throne is easy, but... And there's you, no checkpoints. You get reset time. back every time. Same with Niobe, though. Every time you die, you get kicked back to the start. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I meant. Niobe, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's like that in Shattered Throne. I haven't done too much of it. No, well, there, there's checkpoints once you get to the main areas. Like, I got to the ogre, and I needed to call my buds in to help me out. <laughs> everything got there. it, yeah. <laughs> so there's no checkpoint in Niobe. You get kicked straight back to the start. Every time, yeah. Every time. And it's it's rough, especially because sometimes the shields will come up and the servitor will be, like, you'll have two guys on one side and one guy on the other, and the servitor is on the side with the one guy, and the servitor one-shot melees the one dude. And so he's sitting over there, and you've got to run as far away as possible from the wall, hoping that the servitor teleports to you. Because it's like a 45, 50-second respawn timer in Niobe. Yeah, positioning is very important. Like, Incredibly, yeah. it's cause, especially because it splits into thirds and quarters. It's mm -hmm. it gets ridiculous. Now, out of curiosity, now that Naobi Labs has been out for a couple of weeks now, it's been solved by various groups out there. What are your thoughts on it now, looking back? Do you think that it's an enjoyable activity? Do you think it made Destiny to a better game? Oh, I think Naobi Labs is fantastic. I think it's a fantastic challenge. It's endgame content for sure. Like, I would say there's a few raids that are easier than it. Probably the only ones that aren't easier than it are probably Spire of Fire, Stars, Latswish. I think that's it. Because once you know how Scourge of the Past boss goes down, if you've got six hunters with Celestial Nighthawks on, you can do six million damage in, like, under a second. Oh, yeah, and they just bought that, too. Yeah, so. we just got they a buff did, too. but I. So speaking of that buff, um, they said they buffed the damage, but when you go into the Scourge of the Past boss fight and you have a Well of Radiance and you have Polarity buffs along with a Celestial Nighthawk Golden Gun with Bottom Tree, so you get the crit shot. I don't think it'll buff the damage on that boss fight because it looks like it's capped at one, nine, uh, just nine, one nine 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 nine. nine, nine. 
it's right. capped at six nines. So gotcha. I'm very interested to see if you'll be able to break the one million on that. I don't think you will. I think it's damage gated. And if so, I think they need to fix that so you can just one shot it with golden guns. <laughs> Live that power fantasy. <laughs> Listen, that's what destiny is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot more about it, but I, I do think that Bungie, with this update, they gave us more power for most of the super abilities that we have in the game, besides, I think, two or three. Most of them got buffs. Yeah, they buffed the underutilized ones, which uh, they really needed. Ralx, last question uh, for the interview segment. Yeah. Um, what motivated you to become a Sherpa? Why did you become a Sherpa in the game? And what do you want for Bungie to do in the future to help you be a better Sherpa and to make life easier for you as a Sherpa? That's a, that's a big question. Um, why? So let's, let's start with the first one first. Um, why did I want to be a Sherpa? Uh, part of it, I think, comes from just my familial background. I have 10 siblings, and I'm one of the older ones. So I've always been in charge a little bit. I've always been making sure, you know, people are getting their homework done and stuff. And then the first job that I got was at a Boy Scout camp as their archery director. And that's taking people who've never touched a bow in their life and training them how to shoot semi-decently within a week. I love teaching people new things. I love going through with new players. I'm a very – I'm, I'm told I'm a very patient person, and I can just tolerate a lot before I give out on somebody. And so I think it's just me. I, I just enjoy it. It's, it's enjoyable for me to take a new team through. I know there's a lot of people out there who do not want to take a new th team through. They just want to get the raid done. They don't want to be stuck at a boss for two hours. I don't mind being stuck at an area for two hours. As long as it's not for idiocy, I'm just fine with that. If you're making honest mistakes, you're making honest mistakes, and we'll get through it eventually. But I, I just enjoy running through the raids as a sure i enjoy taking new people through it's a lot of fun for me uh especially the first time through the leviathan raid when they find the leviathan vendor at the end that's fun for me i enjoy seeing people's reactions to them don't spoil it um <laughs> and then what can bungie do to make it easier for sherpas I think that's a really good question because they've implemented – they have a matchmaking system there. There is matchmaking where you can say, hey, uh, our clan is taking people through the raid, and people can sign up for that. Problem is it doesn't work really well. It does not work well at all. There are not rewards to incentivize uh, Sherpas, and I can see why there aren't because then you would get people who are just like, oh, you're new to the raid, you stay back while we just carry you through. So instead of teaching the raid, they're just carrying the person through for rewards. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to kneecap the newer players who are trying to do the raid and who are just getting carried so the other guys can get the rewards. That doesn't work. Um, it, it's a difficult question because you're asking, as a Sherpa, how can an experienced player help newer players how can Bungie help the experienced players who want to take newer players into the raid for the first time and guide them through it or just other groups so that they can learn the raid it's a very difficult question and off the top I haven't thought about this too much because I just enjoy guiding newer players through the raid off the top of my head um, it would have to be 
it, it, it's a hard question. This is probably why Bungie hasn't hasn't done anything other than the matchmaking. It's not an easy question. Um, you say, hey, well, if you fix the matchmaking so that it makes it better, you know, even if they're being carried through, at least they're getting through. The matchmaking is not great because it, it waiting in that queue is a nightmare. So I think Forgotten the best games, thing. Right? I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. the guided games. Yeah, 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 the guided yep. games. Um, the best answer I can think of would be for them to have an area like in the Destiny Companion or on their website where they could say, hey, Destiny Sherpas, sign up here. Okay, And the biggest a Sherpa team can be is three. You can have a guided Sherpa team of three, and then those Sherpa teams would be online – and they're pretty much saying, hey, if you're new to the game and you ha- and you want to go through one of the raids, you can hit us up. You'd have to bring in your own three. I don't think it works if you have a five-to-one ratio. You can't have five experienced players taking one person through because then it's just them carrying them. You would have to do a three-and-three, three, so two fire teams essentially. So I think the best way to do it would be for them to have somewhere on their website where a an experienced fire team who's done the raid before could say, hey – we're taking three new guys through. Here's the time slots that you can sign up for a raid guide where we'll teach you the raid. And the raid guide would have to have a minimum time and a maximum time. Like minimum time raid guide, three hours. You're looking at at least one hour per encounter for a lot of new people through. Usually it'll be faster, but you want to plan at least one hour per encounter. So I would say the minimum time for a, let's say, a Leviathan Larry raid clear just because I'm super familiar with it. Um, you've got the Baz, the Gardens, Callus, and the Gauntlet. That's four encounters. You're looking at a four-hour minimum time. I'm not so worried about the main area of the boss, the area you keep going back to, because it's super easy, and people get that one really, really quickly. And so I would say that that's the best way to do it, is for them to say, hey, this is our Sherpa portal. You can go here and find teams that are Sherpa in groups through. And then I would say that you would have to give rewards to incentivize people for for signing up for the Sherpa program. Don't have to be anything ridiculous, and they would have to be based on number of successful runs with newer players. So it would have to be that player's first time through that specific raid that you're Sherpaing them through. Okay, maybe first three if you want a bit more leeway. They and then after oh your first hundred raid Sherpas through. Uh, you get a special emblem. Well, you've done 200 now, so we're going to give you this special Sherpa-only gun. Sherpa-only gun can't be anything super special. It can't be anything like a Redrix's broadsword. The Redrix's broadsword for raid Sherpas. That would incentivize the more skilled players who are looking for things to farm taking new groups through. A three-on-three things means that you'll never be completely carried through the raid. Your team has to do their part. And the time limit encounters means that everybody has a clear expectation of what to do and would also stop tomfoolery from newer players because there are some newer players who don't take it seriously and do waste time. And they've got to understand that the time is limited. And if the time runs out, the Sherpa team is not punished for when they break through the raid and go to do something else. That would be the best way to help raid Sherpas out, I think, is having that portal and having it a, a pinnacle reward for being a Sherpa. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, that's uh, that's all interesting. Like, I was even thinking maybe if they had, like, I know they probably can't do this because this would be hard memory-wise because you can only get, like, 26 people in the tower. What if they have, like, a separate wing in the tower, like, somewhere where, like, there was, like, for raid Sherpas or things like that, you know, 
just that would be in game. They would have to build it into the game, into the right. of the game, and everything. I like think that. that would be really good. Like just add it to the hangar. Don't even make it somewhere. Yeah. Add it to the hangar because you've got twenty six guardians in the tower. All right. It, it'd be nice if this was similar to um, uh, Warframe, where you can, if, if an area is full and you can't go into that instance, you can pick the instance you go into, so it's easier to match make with people. But I would say an area of the tower would help and would be able for – it would have to be an area of the tower or maybe an area uh, set into right before the raid where you can go and look for Sherpas. The problem with that is that starts to be a queue, and that means there's going to be a queue timer and you're going to be waiting on people. People do not play the game to wait for people. That's the biggest barrier to entry I see with that is until it's standing on its own, you would need all of the groups to pretty much be pre-made scheduled groups. So that there is no waiting. You want minimum wait time. And with that area in the tower, the problem would be is either the tower's full where a team is waiting for people, or you can't find an instance of the tower where Sherpas are. Now, if you could log into the Sherpa Tower and, you know, the Sherpa Tower is where you you have to be in a fire team of three and you either are going in as a Sherpa or as a guidee, for example, you would go in, you would find a group and you'd be able to matchmake with them. I think it's a good idea. I don't think it's easy to implement very right. quickly. That's right. the biggest problem with that. Or even like a board like in Monster Hunter World. Um, I don't know if you played Monster Hunter World. But I, I, like... I played it a little bit. I know the board you're talking about. Yeah. But, but that in-game, putting it into the game, the two biggest issues with it are it takes time for the development team to model everything in the game, for the programming mm -hmm. team to program all of that in. Even though I'm sure there's a bit they can sacrifice from the other game, there's coding that has to be done. There's a bug fixing that has to be done and all of these other things. Making it so it's a simple thing on a portal on a website and where you can just say hey we're a sherpa group and putting a weapon in for sherpa groups who are signed up for them that'd be the hardest part in development would be making sure the weapon syncs to sherpa groups but it, it's easier because everybody's on a schedule you can say you, you if you're you're a 15 year old you know you got school in the morning say hey mom uh i want to play destiny for this much time on this date your mom's cool with that your mom's not cool with you suddenly finding a group and needing to spend five hours on a game she didn't know about. That will not go over well. Yeah. So it'd be – again, it'd be super cool to have it in-game. The problem is it would die very quickly just like Guided Games did if there's not already constant traffic through it. Right. The, the infrastructure you, isn't quite there yet. Yeah, the infrastructure isn't quite there. And the fact that you can't choose your tower instance to where – you can just go into this area where all the Sherpas are. You, you just go into the tower. You, you, it gets clogged with people just doing their daily stuff and using the tower for what it's for. And so that would be where the issues with having it in-game come and why you would want to do it on a portal first is because right. it's cheaper to develop. It's quicker to develop. It's a lot easier on everybody. There can't really be bad backlash from it because it's, it's cheap for them to implement and there's not a big fallout if it fails. They don't lose a lot of money. Bungie is a company. They've got to keep the lights on. Okay, now I know everybody says they're a huge company and they're partnered with Blizzard and they're making all of this money. Not as much as you think. Destiny is an incredibly expensive game to make. And oh, yeah. so Interesting. in order for that infrastructure to be there, it's better for them to test out on a web portal and just announce it. Announce it in-game. 
Okay, that's not hard to do. Just make one of those announcements like the you can reset your Valor announcement. Say, hey, if you're looking for a raid group, take your take your fire team of three to the more experienced guardians so they can guide you through the hardest challenges Destiny 2 has to offer. You know? And they're like, oh, we can actually take our fire team to these guys. Well, everybody can find three guys to play with. The hard part is finding six. Here's Mind you, are you listening? Here's an idea, guys. You're able to pretty much use a web application to switch out your weapons and your loadouts pretty easily using DIM. Well, what if you were able to use Bungie's website or their mobile app to pretty much get into a group and then using a string of code, you can join them in-game from the app? That would simplify things where you don't have to go and add them manually. You can do it all through the app by pressing a button, and that will streamline the Sherpa system where you're not waiting in a queue to get matched up. It would, but what you're talking about, it works for you and your Guardian because there are no conflicts. Throwing your Guardian into a fire team with another Guardian group um, gets way more complex just because you're talking to other Guardians instead of your own. This isn't swapping a gun on your system only. You have to deal with internet issues that may be across groups, which is why they haven't already done that already, as I'd imagine, is that's probably a lot more complex than people think because there isn't a tool like that already. Like Destiny has a site for clans to create fire teams on their website, but you can't just join up from the app. But you are able to, on PC, type in forward slash join and then the the battle net name and then you'll join them right away right so maybe but there's it's not from your phone right right it's in game it's the ios and even even the dim tool is not i don't know if it's on your phone but it's still connecting to just you and your guardian it's not trying to connect to a third party guardian that you don't have information on it works for you and your guardian because there's no issue with connectivity it's all one thing you're just changing out things on one guardian. When you're trying to group th- three guardians with another three guardians, that's a massive server thing. Like it doesn't seem massive because they do it all the time, but matchmaking is not easy. And I have not yet heard of a game that has implemented it so you can say, "Oh yeah, I want to match those guys" while you're on your phone onto the computer. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's an interesting concept. Instead of you dealing with full-on desktop hardware, you're dealing with mobile hardware, which is ridiculously... Making the two talk to each other is a nightmare. It's really interesting. I know that they have an API that DIM uses in order to speak to the Bungie servers and to pull all the data from there. Uh, But it would be a cool thing for them to implement maybe sometime in the future when Destiny 3 is ready to come out. Maybe they have something... Uh, built out that will allow for a more seamless process for fire teams to join. I, I would agree that it would be a very interesting thing, but if they're trying something new, they don't want to put a lot of money into it. Talking from a company standpoint, they are they're gonna they want the minimum viable product, the absolute minimum they have to do to get this thing working to test it. And for me, that'd be a web portal, some kind of a reward for the Sherpas, and being able to communicate quickly that'd be the biggest thing the last thing i did want to mention about the reward aspect of this is they can literally take all the triumphs and they can create a separate section just for sherpas yeah a separate area in the triumphs for sherpas would be great 
But again, you get into more development. Now they've got to develop all of the rewards for the Sherpas, and how are they going to fill all of that out? You want it to just be one thing for now, one thing that collectors want, that experienced players want, something that newer players don't really care about too much because they're not going to get it unless they're Sherpaing a group. And so you you want to incentivize play that way, and that's how you incentivize experienced players. But adding an entire new triumph section there, great uh, mid or late project idea when it's actually got on its feet. But before then, you need a simple, very simple reward, something super easy to implement that can just be thrown in with everything else. That way, if it fails, because things like the guided games did fail spectacularly, if it fails they don't they're not worried about paying bills and keeping the lights on anymore because it's always a worry with a company the amount they pay for just photoshop and maya and all of that is not cheap never mind their electric bills and their water bills and so on like a company like Bungie, yeah servers are incredibly expensive the the all, already the matchmaking they have the internet they pay for, just for their on-team people, the file systems they have to save all of the in-progress stuff and everything else, like, it, it's incredibly expensive to run a game company and, and a game as big as Destiny 2. And everybody says, well, you have all these things, you can make, you know, put the lore in the game as, like, playable quests and everything. That's years of work. That is not as simple, oh, yeah, we'll just throw it in there. That's new maps, that's new... Um, new doors to make uh, for instance you have to make it to make a door in a video game you make an instance where if you interact with it it opens and you go to the next area those break a lot yeah. I, I've dabbled in some small game development myself I'm sure that Bungie has it down to a science but even small things like that break a lot for the stupidest yeah. reasons and it would be very expensive to implement so you've got to make sure that when you're pitching these ideas to Bungie and saying, hey, we really want this, you've got to give them a viable way to implement it. Yeah, it has to be realistic because they do have a lot of factors that come into play. I mean, they have 700 employees that they have to you know, divide into what's most important, focus on projects that they're working on two, three years down the road that we don't even know about. So it's, it's a mm -hmm. challenge for sure. It is. Well, that was a great uh, discussion, and I really look forward to seeing what happens in the future, especially now with Bungie being in full control of the game that they're building. And it should be really interesting to see how things transpire in the near future, certainly this fall, and going into Destiny 3, hopefully within the next couple of years. So, real quick, I wanted to touch on the uh, Bungie Weekly Update, or TWAB, as some may call it and uh, we're gonna go through this real quick because we do have a much larger update just came out I want to say this past Tuesday and we have a big update with the patch 2.1.4 that just arrived in Destiny so but first let's move on to the weekly update we have mayhem is starting on February 5th um I played mayhem today I'm sorry it's it's now <laughs> Mayhem is live, and we can all play it. <laughs> we actually played it yesterday. He, uh, he didn't want to remember it was yesterday, actually. We, you know, we did. <laughs> I had a pretty bad crucible night, and I had to pretty much just stop because I was not winning matches, and I was trying to do the last word quest. The crucible Mayhem, 
grab uh, uh, Shards of Galanor and Blade Barrage everything. That is the best way to do it. Cool. Very cool. So Mayhem is back, and it's going to be live until February 5th. And then following that, we have Crimson Days coming back from February 12th to the 19th. It did get delayed slightly. It was originally planned to come back February 5th. So it did get slightly delayed, and it's going to have um, similar elements to last year. We are going to have rewards come back from last year, and they did promise to add a few new things for us to chase this time around. Do you guys have any thoughts on Crimson Days? I don't know what that is. It's basically doubles. It's doubles PvP. It's 2v2. Um, and there's a uh, broken heart buff, kind of like. Like, if somebody dies on your team, you get, like, all your abilities get buffed. And you become, like, this uh, super guardian out on the, like, all your abilities, like, all your cooldowns recharge faster and everything. Okay. You get, like, faster aim down sights with everything. So, and, you know, so it's, it's the Valentine's event, is that right? Yep, it's the Valentine's event. So the only question with that is, I, I gotta put this out there now. Would this create a strategy of guardians, one guardian offing themselves to make the other guardian that much stronger? Ha ha ha, people did that. There are uh -huh. a lot of people who did that in D1 and in D2, actually. <laughs> and it was a strategy. People would just yeah, off themselves, and then the other person would be like like a super soldier out there. <laughs> and then you just got to find a decent fight and knock them out. Yeah, and you can just literally like get super aimed down sights on your sniper and just like snipe like in D1 like it was disgusting. I would use my icebreaker and just wreck people after somebody would go down on my team, and just it, it, it's a fun little event. And they they're adding some actual weapons and stuff. I believe it's a bow you can get. It's called the Vow, which is kind of cool because you know it has to do with Valentine's Day and everything. The Vow, and it has an ornament called Shot Through the Heart, too. So, of course it does. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and you just want to break out in, like, Bon Jovi when you hear that. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Crimson Days in the past, and I did think last year they didn't really have enough rewards for us to chase after. It doesn't really sound like they're going to be giving us too much more this time around. We're probably going to get a couple new things that weren't present last year. But they did also mention that they are going to add new activities for you to do that weren't present in the last Crimson Days in 2018. Yeah. So, so that should be interesting to see what they implement that's new this time around. Yeah, I'm sure every time they have a chance to iterate upon something, you know, they're going to they're gonna try to do that. Yeah. Well, I'd hope so. Definitely. Looking at you, Anything anything you guys want to add on Crimson Days, Shadow? No, I'm sure we'll check it out, right? We'll, we'll, we'll probably play it. Like I don't, I can't say we'll play it every day, but you know, we'll. we'll, we'll uh, if it probably. drops when I think it when I think it does, I might actually be in California or Vegas shooting. So we'll see if I if I can put some time into it. I want to go I'd to like Vegas. To. That sounds fun. It's not so much. I don't like Vegas. <laughs> Traffic is a nightmare. Not as bad as California, but uh, I'll go there, I'll shoot, I'll come back home, then I'll go to California, I'll be instructing archery courses, and it's just, it gets busy this time of year for me. I hear the sushi's really good in Vegas. I do not like sushi. 
Ooh, interesting. <laughs> I'm not okay. a big sushi guy. Massive anime nerd. Good People would me. call me a weeaboo. You're not, not a big fan of the sushi. <laughs> That's okay. It can't be for everybody. What do you, what do you like? What's your thing as far I'm as food? I'm a big pizza and burger guy. Ooh, I do like big burgers. Big pizza and burgers. Like you get, you get a good bacon barbecue burger. Mm, I am all over that. You said the magic word, bacon. Yeah. <laughs> actually, burgers are the only thing I will eat bacon on. I don't eat a lot of bacon. I don't like it. Well, it's not that I don't like it. It's that I had a bad experience when I was younger, and so I refuse to eat it to this day, unless it's on a burger or yeah, pizza. Yeah, I had a bad experience with bacon once. I ate 12 strips <laughs> of bacon for breakfast. I got hungry, and I figured it might be a good idea to try that, and so I did. And, oh, man, my I stomach was that. not I was there. my friend. <laughs> My stomach. No, bacon tried to, bacon tried to kill me. Yeah, my older brother had to do the Heimlich maneuver on me, the middle of the kitchen table, to stop me from choking. And so I don't eat bacon anymore, unless it's on a pizza or a burger. Wow. So no bacon. Corn, your blood type that day was bacon. Yes. Bacon yep. Positive. <laughs> bacon positive. <laughs> so moving on, we have some house cleaning that Bungie talked about in the weekly update. And they are finally changing the system of how you acquire powerful gear to deter people from hoarding bounties and then decrypting them when the new season comes out. So they did address that in the weekly update, noting that they will be fixing things to not allow for people to gain maximum light. So in other words, if you have a powerful frame and you held on to a powerful engram if the new season starts it's only going to drop at 650 which is the maximum light from the previous season makes sense yeah. you're going to cap out at 650 so it'll give you incentive to not hoard those and you know just basically do them as you acquire them yeah right just, you know the game really in the past has felt like kind of a chore the week before the the new content is out because everybody was pretty much trying to grind out to get the maximum level progression so that you do have the advantage when the raid does come out and i like i like that everybody will be on a much more leveled playing field yeah they're taking some of the guesswork out basically yeah. you know allowing just people to play the game and not have to worry about like hoarding stuff to power level i mean because as we know there's going to be no new raid and uh see the drip what do you guys think of bungie maybe moving the release date of the raid an extra week out so that everybody else has the opportunity to catch up so they can play the raid when it's first out. So maybe instead of coming out the Friday after the new content is out, maybe them releasing a new raid following Friday where you have an extra week to grind out. Doing that will make it so that for the 24-hour challenge and the world's first is a more level playing field. Yeah. Um, we saw that with Scourge of the Past, it was beaten world's first in like two and a half hours. And that was by a group who, again, hoarded those bounties and were maximum power level. So I think all that this is really doing is making it so that everybody has an opportunity to grind for some really powerful big gear and be on a more level playing field and have a more competitive chance at the 24-hour challenge. That's, it sounds like they're trying to balance for that if they're doing it. Yeah, I think that would be a good solution 
at the very least short term to enable all players to participate in the activity where you don't feel like unless you're a streamer you don't have a chance well not even if you're a streamer i mean well let's say you are a streamer that's how you make your your bread and butter so you're on there you know you're spending eight nine hours a day on there because it's just a day at work um it's making it so that people who have other jobs aside from streaming, it's respecting that a lot of their community want to do this 24-hour event but can't afford to put in eight hours a day into the game Right, is what it seems like to me. Would you guys be in favor of them changing the launch date of the raids where everybody has a little bit more time? Yes, I would. I would be much more in favor of that because then it's not as much of a rat race to get there. Yeah, same. Bungie did go on during this weekly update to give us a preview of update 2.1.4, and it's live now. We have a tradition here on the Destiny show to rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls. One being, eh, you know, it wasn't that good, and five spicy tuna rolls being that this was... The greatest or weekly update. Or bacon like burgers. <laughs> it's not bacon <laughs> without burgers, because that will, that might make you sick or choke. But what would you guys give this weekly update from one to five? Three and a half for me. Cool. I was personally going to say two and a half to three. I like the update. You have stuff to do now. I'm just, I am personally not a fan of pvp at the moment and that's a personal thing so probably about three and a half i i agree with ralks there i would give it a three and a half i don't think there was anything really major that was announced this week just reminders of what's coming they gave reminders and making sure you're not bored in the game yeah yeah i got a question for you ralks what would you what would you say they need to do to pvp to make things more interesting for the masses Oh, I know my opinion here is not going to be well-liked. So I am a big comp buff. Okay, I love competitive. Okay, absolutely love the game mode. Exotics need to be removed from it entirely, in my opinion. Yeah. Because that just, it levels the playing field. You know, you can keep the heavy ammo. You can keep the supers because there are ways to play around them. They can be strategically used. One-Eyed Mask needs to get out. Shards of Galanor needs to get out. Uh, Warlocks don't really have anything. Spectre I, blades with Gwistin vest. That's that? that's the hunter. That's not the that's not the warlock. Oh, that well, needs, I mean, that, like as far it, as... it does need to get out as well. I agree. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the biggest thing I get frustrated with in competitive matches is oh they've got a four stack of one eyed masks and once they get their super they all have Ursa Furiosa. Uh, that's my opinion on PvP. Um, for the standard quick play, keep everything the way it is. Um, I would want to make exotics more exotic, but they say balancing issues can't allow that. Um, they do need to make the 6v6 maps a bit bigger because they feel really nice in comp where it's 4v4 because it's what they were designed to, and then people are like, oh, we want 6v6 because it feels less sweaty. Need a few bigger maps for 6v6. Um, yeah. And then I would also say keep control out of the comp playlist altogether. That's That's how you fix PvP in my opinion. I agree with most of that. Um, I'm going to add something. How would you feel about a solo comp playlist? Like a, you know, 
so the solo players don't feel like they're like completely outmatched when they try to matchmake and get put up against a sweaty four stack. I, I, I see both sides of the argument, but I would I, I think it's better for you to get your own team than to have them to have to, to than having a solo queue. It's better to get your own team because then you are all together. And if you've got a proper team built, it's going to be even if you lose a match, you're gonna be like, all right, you know, we lost, we're out, play. This is what we can do better. Um, if you're just a solo, what ends up happening is either you feel you let your team down and you feel devalued for your playing because you just barely lost and you were at the bottom of the leaderboard, and you feel like it's all your fault because this is solo queuing. It's not either of your, it's not your allies' fault. They're they're all up on the leaderboard, better than you, and then having your own team also stops people from saying you suck get out of my queue which has personally happened to me is you know you've been sucking for three matches in a row i don't want to play with you leave the playlist yeah or, or they so just I, leave or they just leave or, or some people just leave entirely i yeah. don't like the solo queue for that it's a competitive game mode a competitive game mode is not just all about you if you want a competitive game mode where it is all about you go play rumble Maybe if they add competitive That's... rumble, I mean that might solve the issue. So if you do want to play but comp, you can. Maybe, maybe a competitive rumble could work, but I, it's a difficult question no matter which way you slice it. Yeah. I mean, does that be free for all? Basically, you gotta you gotta remember. I think that Bungie has been struggling with competitive multiplayer for some time now. I mean, look at Trials. Well, that's it's cause... been on hiatus for. At least a season now. And well, yeah, but you're talking about Destiny too. This is not a PV. This is not a game designed for PvP. It's just not. It's. Just, I think the best PvP game mode is freaking Mayhem. That is the Destiny PvP game mode. Absolute chaos with abilities and shenanigans. Um, but you 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 struggle when you try to put the a, a competitive, you know, uh. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, almost eSport mode in because there's just too much cheese you can do. Ursa Furiosa, One-Eyed Mask, Shards of Galanor, Gwizzin Vest, Ace of Spades, Mindbender's Ambition with a good role that people don't have access to. Now the last word because that's ridiculous. Um, th there's just so – there are too many variables for a competitive game mode to really work. You don't think Bungie would ever do that where they just basically – Create. Remove exotics? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think so, no. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that for competitive, what they should do is pretty much disable your super abilities because it doesn't really highlight your skill level. I think that if anything, super abilities make it more difficult to challenge the competitive landscape. In I Destiny. disagree. Okay. I disagree because in order to get your super, you have to be playing skilled gameplay. Otherwise, you're giving the enemy their supers. If you're getting trashed and the enemy get their supers first, you're going to be destroyed. Right. Okay. It punishes. Uh, it, it punishes the shotgun rushers and getting killed early. That's what having supers early punish. You can play around supers. Um, Blade barrage can shut down a Gwiz invest. You know, Geomegs can shut down other supers as well. You got the shutdown supers and the roaming supers. Okay. You have to play smart. You can see sort of what subclass the enemy team is running and that will tell you what supers to watch out for if they've got a Gwiz Invest you've got to hold your shards of Galanors to shut down that Gwiz Invest 
Okay, if you use it before then, you're going to get rolled. I, I think the supers allow enough strategizing to play around because they're not random. Everyone has access to them. Right. The exotics are random. Not everybody has access to them. That's where it's a problem. Yeah, and I mean, with the changes to some of the supers, like there's going to be a little bit of shift this week. It seems like the Spectre Blades don't last as long. It seems like the Nova Warp doesn't last as long now, too. Right. It seems like there's more ways to combat it, especially with the buffs to the Hunter Golden Gun and everything. Yeah, the Gold Gun is going to get very interesting. I was messing about with that a bit before the podcast came up. I think this is the perfect transition to our next topic, which is the update 2.1.4 patch notes that came out in uh i believe it was on tuesday came out and bungie pretty much went over a pretty long list of changes that came to the game this past tuesday and i wanted to talk about that on the show today so first up we have the hunter gunslinger uh the golden gun super has been increased in damage to bosses by 40% and it also includes six shooter and celestial nighthawk for a golden gun six shooter base damage increased from 275 to 300 per shot and kills now return a bullet to the golden guns magazine uh, for line em up perk doubled precision damage bonus per stack of the buff and practice makes perfect perk stacks limit has been increased from three to five and super regen modifier increased to 20 percent um also for blade barrage super the impact damage has actually been decreased from 150 to 35 explosion damage increased from 150 to 250 and you now deal self damage uh, with this ability um, also, they did fix an issue where Blade Barrage projectiles could track allies. Gentlemen, any thoughts on this? I want to see if I can get over 1 million damage on Septic's Prime with the Golden Gun. I think it'll still cap at that. Uh, for the six-shooter, getting a shot back makes it a lot more viable for ad clearing and just bosses in general. It'll make it utilized more, especially in PvP. Um... And then what else? Blade Barrage. I think the reason the impact damage was decreased was because people were panicking and just hitting people in front of them. And now the, making it the explosion damage uh, do most of the killing means that you have to predict where your target's going, and it's a bit easier to dodge as long as you don't get hit directly by it. Um, Self-damage, again, means you can't just run into somebody and blow them up because you'll die too. And that's about it for that. Oh, my yeah. Head. And I had a chance to try the the uh, new Golden Gun Super, uh, the six shooter, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's super cool. The fact that you get a bullet back when you get a kill with it like extends the super, um, and it's good even in PvP. The same thing applies. I was using it in Mayhem, and yeah, you just line it up. You know, you're getting you're getting multiple like Golden Gun bullets back and things of that nature. And, but yeah, it's really good in PvE as well, and I can see that they buffed the damage and stuff. So I, I think that's a good change to that. Yeah, I can't believe they buffed the Golden Gun damage by 40% against bosses. That is, that's a pretty. Still gonna big, try to break that. Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited for that. Big, that's a pretty big buff, and I'm curious mm -hmm. to see how this will affect the next raid. 
I see a lot of golden guns and that one titan rock and a shield to increase the damage even more with weapons of light. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if they actually implement a boss mechanic during the final boss fight in the next raid where you won't be able to just melt the boss with golden guns because I definitely see that being oh, it's a gonna potential happen. thing. It's a new ribbon cheese. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Ribbon's yeah. going to go down even faster now. <laughs> All you need is one warlock and just hunters and you're good. One Warlock, one Titan, because you still want to get the Weapons of Light buff. But I don't know if that activates for Supers as well. That'll be I'll have to test it with my A-team. So let's move on to the Night Stalker. We have a number of things that were updated with this. For Mobius Quiver, Tethered Targets now have the full damage increase rather than needing to be tethered by multiple Shadow Shots. Increased Mobius Quiver Tether Radius by 20%. Increased Mobius Quiver Tether Lifetime, made it easier to fire successive Shadow Shots. Also for Spectral Blade Supers, bonus damage resistance while in stealth has been decreased from 15% to 5%, and total super duration while invisible has been decreased from 3.67 seconds. That needed to happen with the Spectral Blades, they're still ridiculous. I was thinking the same thing, Especially yeah. Uh, uh, running ramp in, in comp, and then yeah, like Spectre. If you've got Gwist Invest in comp, you're an incredible force to be reckoned with. Um, for the Mobius Quiver for the Night Stalker, that's really nice. That makes it more viable, so that when you're running your um, the legs, um, Orpheus oh, rig. There Orpheus we go. Rigs, Orpheus rig, yes. Yeah. yeah. So when you're running the Orpheus rigs with those, it gives you a more a different option other than just the one tether, which will be super useful for last wish because you're moving so fast and you could use multiple tethers. Yeah, and with the quiver, will you be able to actually kill a guardian when you hit them with it in the in the crucible? Like, uh, I think that's up to debate. Possible, but I don't know. But I don't know how. Viable. I'll have to test that out. I yeah. I I, I want to try all these these supers out. Now that they've changed them. And it says they're going to continue making that more powerful, which I think is good, because I think that the Night Stalker is very underutilized if you're not running the Quiz Invest in comp. Yeah, I, I, am I mean, happy, even in PvE. I am yeah. happy about the fact that they are taking their time to gradually buff things rather than just going crazy like they did with New 1. During Age of Triumph, everything got buffed big time, and here they're taking their time to balance the game better, so I like that. Any other comments on the Night Stalker changes, Shadow? Just interested just to try them out and things. But I, I think they're. I think it was a good change for the uh, Spectre Blades because, like we said, uh, they they were just like being. They're they're very ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were everywhere and they just you couldn't. It was hard to combat anything against them, and now it, it's going to be more brought in line. I feel like. Definitely, Ralks. Uh, I think it's a good change. I'm going to have to play around with it a bit before I have any final thoughts, but I think that the health decrease and the Mobius Quiver buff are both good. For Hunter Arc Strider, we have the Arc Staff Super. Uh, heavy range and slam attack damage increased from 220 to 300. For Heavy Palm Blast attack damage, it's been increased from 400 to 700. A lethal current perk, bonus hit damage has been increased from 100 to 130. And then finally for Raiden Flux, exotic armor, damage bonus has been decreased from 20% to 13.5%.
the reason that they're doing that, I think, is they want the the super to feel more powerful. But if they didn't nerf the raid in flux, it would just become the next quiz invest. Yeah, yeah, it's all about balancing. Yep, and so yeah, they're making this sell it feel more satisfying to use, but they're also not making, you know, just a new Gwiz invest to use in comp or just to use in PvP in general. Which right. I think is good. I think that's I think that's a good calculated balance to make early on because they are nerfing the United Stalker and so I think it's it makes sense to buff the Arc Strider, but you don't want to buff it to the point of ridiculousness. Right. Does it does this leave the option open for other exotics to be used other than Raiden Flux? Uh, if you're in PvP, I would say so. That damage increase means you could run something else, like maybe a uh, Knucklehead Radar. Um, I know that I really write, like running Oathkeepers with my... Uh, what's the bow? My Monarch? Oh, yeah. Yep. That, that's a very fun playstyle that I enjoy, so I, I think it's a good balance out there. <laughs> what mean, about uh, Lucky Raspberry? What about like Lucky Raspberry or something? I have not used Lucky Raspberry at all. So it's I wouldn't really, really know what it does. good in D1. Uh, I I would like to see that one come back a little bit because I really I mean it, it was stupidly good in ED1 though because of those those uh, arc bolts those arc bolt grenades they they did a lot of damage because they would chain and that that was the right. whole idea of that exotic like when they chained if everybody was running an arc bolt like I was one running the lucky raspberry then the other team was in for some pain. Unfortunately. Okay, well, Ralex, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And yeah, thank you, man. It's been awesome. Thank no you very problem, much for I... sharing your insight and perspectives on Destiny. I hope my uh, Sherpa comments weren't too long-winded. <laughs> I went on for a bit there. Oh, the discussion was great. Like, the things you added. All right. Real quick, before I let you go, where can we all learn more about you? There's not much. There, there, There's some professional stuff that I keep away from the gaming community. The best bet would probably to email me at gamingrelics at gmail.com and ask me questions there if you just want to meet up, talk, or something like that. I'm usually totally down. You sent me a message that said I was a very private guardian, and I kind of try to keep it that way for the most part. I'm not on a lot of social media, again, unless it's for professional stuff, which I don't want to put out there right now. Yeah, if you, if you want to learn more about me, email me at gamingrelics at gmail.com. Love to talk to you. Awesome. Well, Rox, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you about Destiny, and I can't wait to play with you again soon. We'll definitely have to grind out for that last word. Yeah, thanks for yep. coming on, man. No problem at all. You guys have a good evening. Have a good evening. You one. as well. Thank you. All right, uh, next we have is uh, the Titan, and uh, we're going to start with the Sunbreaker. Uh, sunspots, uh, damage increased from 25 to 50 per tick. The Sun Warrior perk. Buff now increase all damage output from the Sunbreaker by 20% in PvP and 25% in PvE. Buff duration has been increased from 3 to 5 seconds. The Burning Maul Super, we're going to talk about next, uh, the Spin Melee attack damage increased from 65 to 80 per hit. Slam Detonation Radius increased from 5 to 6 meters. Improved Slam Attack Projectile Tracking. So, do you have any thoughts about that, the Sunbreaker? I wish I played more on my Titan, to be honest with you. I have been trying to play more on my Titan character. I like the Sunbreaker damage being increased by 20%. That's pretty substantial, isn't it? Uh, that's PvP. Yeah, yeah, it is. 5% in PvE. I think that's yeah. going to make that more of a viable option. 
Yeah, the, it's for the Sun Warrior perk. Again, I also have to look into that, too, because I'm not sure exactly what that does. Because I I always use the top tree on the, on the, um, the Sunbreaker, and that's the melting point and things like that because you get that bonus damage during, like, PvE things. But, uh, yeah, it looks like um, maybe that bottom tree now will be a little bit more viable since they're buffing some of those uh, abilities. And the Burning Mall, I haven't had a ch chance enough to test that out. I finally unlocked that final part of the subclass tree, so I've been trying to power through and, you know, getting that leveled up, so... Got more testing to do with it, but sounds like there's some decent changes. Yeah, they're also making the Sentinel a lot more viable too. Yeah, the uh, looks like a couple changes here for the Sentinel. The Sentinel Shield Super, uh, the final melee combo hit damage increased from 300 to 390, and then damage to PVE combatants increased by 17%. So just a small change looks like. Oh, they've done to the Sentinel, but buffing. There looks like they're buffs, so that's good. We're going to go right into the Striker because it looks like there's some pretty big changes here. A Fist of Havoc Super. The Heavy Slam Attack R2 slash RT base damage increased from 325 to 275. Damage to base, elite, and mini boss combatants increased by 7%. Damage to bosses increased by 23%. And the damage to vehicles, you know, in case you want to, like, Fist of Havoc, a tank increased by 60%. Terminal Velocity perk changed the way that bonus damage from this perk is granted. They added a third threshold tier based on how long you are in the air before impact. Arc damage hits per tier increased from three to four. Tier one equals four hits. Tier two equals eight hits. Tier three is 12 hits. They increased the damage per arc hit from 100 to 112. So that's for the Terminal Velocity perk. For Code of the Juggernaut, Fist of Havoc shoulder charge energy costs reduced by 83%. And then the Trample perk can now trigger the energy return every 0.5 seconds up from one second. What do you think of these changes? I think these changes are really interesting because for the Fist of Havoc Super, the damage, the base damage has been decreased from 325 to 275. But then, at the same time, they're reducing the charge energy cost by 83%, so you're going to get it. It's going to last longer. Yeah, when you shoulder charge somebody, it doesn't. it's gonna, not going to take hardly any of your super to do that. And especially with the trample perk, you get that cooldown back every 0.5 seconds. That's up from one second. Now, also, if you're wearing the insurmountable skull fort, too, you're literally going to get it back instantly. So... This is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, how this super is. Like, that thing, you can get that to probably last, like, upwards of 30 to 40 seconds in PvE, probably, maybe even longer. You have all those uh, perks lined up and the certain pieces of armor on that allow you that to happen. Do you think that these perks will benefit the Crucible more, or will it benefit PvE more? As far as the striker goes, it's probably going to benefit PvE more just because there's sheerly more enemies and everything. And because there's more enemies, you get your super quicker as well. So I still think it's going to benefit PvE more, but you're also going to see increases to this in PvP as well 
Like, it's going to actually be better. Like, these are all buffs, basically, for this, except just decreasing the base damage from 325 to 275. That's still a lot of damage. You're still probably going to one-hit somebody if you hit them with the Fist of Havoc. So let's move on to the Warlock. For Voidwalker, we have the Cataclysm Nova Bomb. Initial detonation damage increased from 900 to 1,500. Detonation radius increased from 8 to 10 meters. Seeker projectile detonation damage increased from 205 to 300. Improved seeker projectile tuning radius and homing to make it more consistent to use against bosses and single targets. Also fixed an issue where seeker projectiles could be prematurely detonated. And that's for the Voidwalker. For Vortex Nova Bomb, we have initial detonation damage increased from 900 to 1200. Lingering volume damage increased from 10 to 23 per tick. And then Nova Warp Super, we have slightly slowed movement while charging. Charging costs more energy. Duration decreased by 6.8 seconds. Decreased super damage resistance from 56% down to 54%. And damage against Guardians decreased by 27%. Buffs to the Nova Bomb and nerfs for the Nova Warp. <laughs> That's really interesting. Do you think yeah. that Nova Warp was a problem that justified oh, yeah. this change? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely in PvP. Like, this thing was almost unkillable. Basically, like before the whole Gwisson Vest Spectre Blades debacle, this thing was just like absolutely like you, you, it was so hard to fight against. You literally had to run. And if you did run, sometimes you didn't even make it. You, you died to it. And sometimes you died more than once and you got killed like twice while this person was still using their super and it did not feel good. So I think this is good change. This is a good change. And it's the same thing for the Voidwalker. I think it's great that they got buffed across the board completely because that is one of the most underutilized subclasses there is. And Spectral Blades, too. Don't forget about that. I think that was pretty deadly, especially in comp. Yeah, those both needed to go to the workbench and be hammered down a little bit. Yeah, and this was the first step in Bungie addressing these issues and balancing the abilities. So moving on, we have the Warlock... Dawnblade for Daybreak Super. We have increased damage against minor, major, and mini boss combatants by 43%. Increased duration by 3 seconds. For Warlock Stormcaller, we have Stormtrance Super increased chain lightning maximum target count by 1. Small changes. Yeah. Looks like to both Dawnblade and Stormcaller. Not, not Nothing much huge. Yep. Yep. They seemed like they were working as intended. Not much they needed to change. They just wanted to also bring them in line with the other supers, from what I can tell here. Moving on, we have weapon tuning. This is a fun conversation because we get to talk about the guns that we use in the game. They balance things out to make certain things more viable as options. For example, auto rifles, scout rifles, both got increased. And let's dive right into it. For auto rifles, we have increased base damage on rapid fire by 9%, increased base damage on high impact auto rifles by 5%, 
and increased base damage on adaptive auto rifles by six percent. Thoughts on this? All good changes. I can't I can't um, fault any of these. Auto rifles were also another underutilized thing, except maybe in like Gambit or something because you're going yeah. for breakneck. You're trying to get breakneck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really the only time that I would ever switch to an auto rifle really is when I'm playing Gambit and I'm trying to finish the quest line to get Breakneck. But other than that, I'm excited to see how this affects auto rifles as being a viable option during, you know, any activity, really, whether you're playing Crucible or PvE. I think that it's interesting to see how this change will affect things, especially weapons like Breakneck that are already really good with the buff. I'm curious to see how that will affect these guns in the new meta. Uh, moving on to scout rifles, we have increased base damage on lightweight scout rifles by 5%, increased base damage on rapid fire scout rifles by 6%, and increased all scout rifle PVE damage by 10%. Uh, this was a very welcome and needed change because I scouts have been underperforming now for quite a while, and I got to try them out yesterday because I, I wanted to try them out because like knowing that they're finally hopefully becoming viable options, I took them right into the first submissions I was doing to work for the last word class. And uh, yeah, I could tell big buffs. It's nice welcome changes. Being able to one tap, two tap, some thrall and some acolytes is, is nice. And I was actually getting kills in PVP with it too as well. So I think I think this was highly needed, and um happy that they made this change. Yeah, I miss using scout rifles, because in Destiny 1, I loved scout rifles. Vision of Confluence was my go-to for the longest time. And then Mita Multi-Tool, man, I would not take that gun off, especially in, in Crucible. In Destiny 2, not so much. I think that... We did have a few scout rifles that were really good, like Mananen. <laughs> Still, I got a chance to actually use the Mananen yesterday. And I don't know if it's a very viable option when you're playing Crucible, but it is more of a viable option during PvE activities. I did get a chance to use it during the uh, Forge activities, and it was it wasn't bad. I don't know if I would use an auto rifle and give up things like pulse rifles or hand cannons that would be tough but it's interesting to see where scout rifles fit into the new meta that bungie is building for destiny yeah they're going to be situational your mileage may vary um yeah i saw some people actually using mida believe it or not in crucible yesterday and i was getting killed by mida so i mean i wouldn't say that they've gone back to their you know, dominance as they were in uh, D1, but I feel like they are stronger than they were just last week. So, yeah, and it's it's the first step to making it a more viable option for us to use in the game. Yeah, they're the everyman gun. They're like it's a blue power weapon. You know, it's one everybody can use. Everybody like it's one of the most easiest weapons to be able to use because of you know you can fire them from distance. You know, and they work in many yeah. different 
situation. It's so. very versatile, right? Because you can use the scout rifle for long-range battles, but you can also use them as a viable option for mid-range battles too. Whereas, like, yeah. if I have a hand cannon and a shotgun, for example, I feel handicapped if I'm trying to shoot somebody from long distances because you, you can't. You can't do anything. It's, it's, Scout takes care of both of that. Exactly, exactly. So I'm curious to see how that fits in to the overall gameplay in the future, especially with PvP and how they will make it a more uh, viable option for that. So let's move on and talk about sniper rifles. Increased base damage of rapid-fire sniper rifles by 8%, which will allow you to two-shot the body when you're playing against other guardians in PvP. You're yeah. a big sniper guy. What do you think about this change? I don't usually normally use those kind of snipers. I, I do use the Supremacy one some from time to time. I used to. I will start probably using it again because they are buffing. They did buff them in eight by 8%. So, um, and Alone is a God, I guess, is one of those other rapid-fire snipers. So this is going to give them more play, I feel like. The only thing is that they didn't change the flinch or anything like that. So... Again, this is going to have to. It's going to be some testing that's going to have to be done to see how how much uh, better they they are now after this buff. So, I, I'll be honest. I haven't really used sniper rifles in PVE much. I, Shotguns I'm are so good. Pretty, yeah, knows. I'm pretty attached to my shotgun. I've been using the Icolos shotgun. I know that a lot of people say that guns like Retold Tail are really good. And then you have what's that gun? Mindbender's Ambition. Mindbender's Ambition. But there's another one that's that everybody's using in Crucible. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Dust Rock Blues. Dust Rock Blues. Thank you. And I'm still trying to get the, the God Roll for that one. So hopefully soon I will get it. So let's move on to Grenade Launchers. A uh, few changes there. Uh, tweaked Grenade Launcher projectiles to feel more consistent on direct hits. Proximity grenades can no longer impact directly, and increased ammo reserve size on special ammo for grenade launchers, and increased initial spawn ammo in PvE for special ammo grenade launchers. Yeah, so because they nerfed the proximity grenades, now every you know people aren't. It sounds like they won't be able to one shot with that with the proximity grenades anymore. So now it looks like people are going to have to discover new perks on some of these grenade launchers that will help help them, you know, become more, I don't know, replace that perk, basically, because that's the one that people were looking for all the time, was proximity. If it didn't have proximity, the grenade launcher just wasn't good. You know, the grenades would bounce somewhere else, and you will go nowhere near the target. I just oh, want that's better gonna have, edge transit. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> Let's go. You don't want to. You won't. You don't want a burnt edge transit, right? No, I don't want to burn. I already got burnt by the burnt edge transit. Let's not talk about that. We're not going to go back there. Yeah, grenade launchers. Um, I I only use like play of the game, and I was using malicious birthright. But again, now that they've nerfed proximity grenades, I don't know how often I'll be using those. So it'll have to involve some play testing. So now. does that mean you're not going to grind out for mountaintop? My desire for it isn't as uh, high as it was. Well, it never really was high. I really want Luna's. Luna's is more of the trophy weapon for me than Mountaintop is. 
I'm curious about Luna's because I'm curious to see how the last word will stack against Luna's howl. Here it's really good. So I'm interested uh, once we get off this podcast tonight, I'm going to be getting back at that. So. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on with the podcast. Up next, we have bows. I uh, made the effect of draw time from bow string perks more noticeable. That was a mouthful. Uh, accuracy stats from high tension string was increased from 10 to 15 to better compensate for the slower draw time. And there was also a known issue with the tooltip for high tension strings was not being updated to show larger accuracy increase. This will be addressed in a future update, so that means that it hasn't been fixed yet. Um, yeah, bows, I have a weird relationship with bows because I do enjoy using them for things like nightfalls, but I still don't really understand all of the perks and what they all do. I'm still yeah, I was really excited to bows. use them at the beginning of Forsaken. I still like using them. My excitement has dwindled a little bit just because, you know, they've been around. And, you know, let's just be honest, firing your weapon, uh, the guns feel better sometimes than the bows. Yeah. Although bows are super accurate sometimes, especially in PvE. They're accurate and they're powerful. But the problem with bows is that, especially if you're playing endgame activities like a Nightfall, it's too slow. Yeah, because you time have to you... fire each one individually. It's, it's like kind of like a sniper. But yeah. the problem, the thing is, there's a draw, there's a charge. You have to literally pull it back. So it's not an instant fire like a bullet. You shoot a gun and the bullet comes out. This is more, you, there's a mechanic. You draw back and then you fire the, the arrow. It's nice that they've like made these changes. Again, all this is, is going to involve playtesting for me to see which things are better, You know how my playstyle is going to be adapted with all these changes so yeah that's interesting to see how that's going to play out definitely now moving on to the next set of weapons we have the legend of Acrius. it's getting a range increased by 0.5 meters and in pve the damage is being increased by 50 percent wow that's a pretty big buff i did kill a lost sector boss with four shotgun shots from legend of Acrius yesterday though so yeah so it I, works. I see that so it works, it works. awesome yep for the Telesto, we have reduced base damage of each bow by 19% and increased optics from 15 to 20 to be comparable with other fusion rifles with scope perks. Lastly, in PvE, the damage has been increased by 30%. I don't have much to say. I think those are good changes just because, again, Telesto was being abused in PvP a lot. So... Uh, then for trace rifles, we have uh, trace rifles now gain additional ammo when picking up special ammo. Uh, reduced damage output of wave splitter against guardians. Uh, reduced by 19% on medium damage mode and reduced by 27% on high damage mode. Uh, lastly, adjustments were made to keep the damage output the same in PvE activities across the board. That is the most underutilized weapon for me in the game. I I barely use trace rifles at all. So I can't really comment on them too much. 
I will eventually start using them again. I'm just not sure when, when I'm done testing all the other weapons, probably. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't really use too many trace rifles. Didn't really have the urge to do it. And I'm really big into shotguns this this season. I've been using a lot of shotguns and hand cannons and pulse rifles, especially with Black Armory. I've been using the Blast Furnace a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Then let's move on to Exotic Armor. We have a number of changes that took place there. Tuned energy values on Shards of Galanor to accompany changes to Blade Barrage Super. A reduced maximum energy return from 90% to 75% of the total Super. And now the Super only returns energy on Knife Impact. Also reduced energy return on Gwizen Vest was from 10% to down to 7% of the total super. Thoughts on? Uh, those are both good changes because I, I agree, like, with the Galanor, Shards of Galanor were, again, overpowered in PvP because you literally got your whole super back, if like, or 90% of it, at least, if you killed at least two or three or impacted two or three guardians uh, on your super. Now it caps it at 75%, and it only returns on knife impacts, so... I feel like that will bring it more in line. It'll still give you, it'll still be powerful, but it won't be overpowered, so to speak. And same thing with the Gwist Invest. Like bringing that down from 10% is another good change because it also, they also reduce the length of duration of the super. So again, I feel like those bring them more in line where they're not completely OP and the only option. You know, it right? feels it feels so. like this update brings a lot of balancing to the game where the the two items that were extremely OP'd were brought in line with everything else. Yeah, they wanted to get the outliers taken care of. This this is probably one of the biggest sandbox changes in quite a while. Yeah, since, so since many Destiny, things, biggest one in Destiny 2, in my opinion. So many different um, sub, the subclasses and the weapons and the armor, like, a lot of changes, yeah. you know, and that's good because it'll help keep things fresh. Yeah. New playstyles will emerge. I, this game has changed the most since, I would say, Forsaken. That was the last time that we had such a big sandbox change in the game. Right, because they changed the actual weapons, the class, you know, how it went from primary to, to energy to heavy, like where you could have shotguns now in the energy slot again, and sniper rifles and fusion rifles. With the way that changed, now they're able, they saw how that played. And then they're like, all right, well, we need to balance this now. Now we need to actually hit that sandbox hard and that's kind of what they did here. Definitely. And uh, let's let's move on and talk about some miscellaneous things for abilities. They fixed an issue where players could retain super energy for a chaos reach even when being suppressed mid-super. Also, they fixed an issue where players could equip Celestial Nighthawk mid-super to partially benefit from Hawkeye Hack perk when using the six-shooter subclass. Uh, for weapons, they fixed an issue where the arrows the Spiteful Fang left lodged in target did not match the arrows it fired. They fixed an issue where Anarchy's top trap detonation was not dealing damage if the owner had died. They fixed an issue where auto-loading holster perk was not reloading the magazine in some circumstances. They fixed an issue where the muzzle blast 
and spent shell effect had become misaligned on the Suros regime and its ornament. They fixed an issue where No Feelings Scout Rifle had incorrect stats when masterworked. And finally, they fixed an issue where the tempered Dynamo Fusion Rifle wasn't playing all of its charge-up audio on consoles. So some yeah. technical fixes. And then we have changes to your very favorite thing to play in Destiny. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take the Crucible. Let's do it. Um, we got changes uh, to Breakthrough. They fixed an issue where deploying the Breaker or hacking the Vault exactly at the same time expired could end the round in an incorrect state. They have heavy ammo tuning that they're uh, showcasing here. And for competitive, initial timers stay the same. They also increased the respawn timer for heavy ammo. It was at 45 seconds. It's now at 120 seconds. For Clash, the initial timers stay the same. But they've also increased the respawn timer for heavy ammo. It was at 45 seconds. It's now at 120 seconds. You can see a theme happening here. Uh, survival. The initial timers stay the same. They've increased the respawn timer for heavy ammo. Now, this was, was 45 seconds, but it is now 60 seconds. Rotators. We're going to talk about rotators here. Uh, for showdown, the initial timers stay the same. They increase the respawn timer for heavy ammo. It was 30 seconds. It's now 60 seconds. For rumble, the initial timers stay the same. They increase the respawn timer for heavy ammo. It was 60 seconds. It's now 120 seconds. Uh, for ammo counts on all modes, they reduce the heavy crate ammo for machine guns. We're going to go really quick now also talk about Dredrix's broadsword quest where the Valor rank resets. The Valor rank resets step will now look at the previous season's accomplishments as well. Five Valor resets are still required during a single season, but this is no longer restricted to the current season. For example, if a player have five Valor resets in season four, this will now grant progress towards the quest. Completion inconsistencies, they go to talk about here. They fixed the various issues where the quest was not progressing to the pickup step until a player re-entered orbit. And finally, for Crucible ranks, enhancement cores we're talking about here, they fixed an issue that prevented enhancement cores from being awarded when reaching leg Legend in Valor and Glory ranks. So, again, lots of technical things here that they went on to fix in the Crucible. Any thoughts? It seems like the biggest thing that they really focused on here was that heavy ammo. Because it looks like, for control, it went up from 45 seconds to a whopping 120 seconds. That's a pretty big change. That's more than doubling the spawn time. That's slowing things down by quite a bit in the competitive modes of the Crucible. It's all in the name of balance. I feel like they're trying to balance it a lot more than it was because people were just getting heavy and they would literally sit and wait that 45 seconds and get more heavy and just like completely wipe the other team. You know, now this is, it's going to be more strategic now for people, how they're going to get the heavy and who they're going to give the heavy to because now people are going to have to, they're going to have to be a little bit more conservative with it. So I think it's a good change. You know, of course, the other changes, the Redrix's broadsword, you know, they, they should have changed that before, in my opinion, to be this. If you're going to ask your players to grind out your Valor five times, and if you've done it in your previous seasons, you know, you should be able to get that credit. 
you shouldn't have to keep grinding it. So I agree with that. Technical change, I think it was an issue they had that maybe prevented them from allowing it to work properly. So yeah, that's that's all good things. And uh, yeah, good changes on the enhancement cores. I think that, you know, it's cool that they're making uh, the enhancement cores more available in the game. At the same time, I do think that they need to really take a step further because there's not much purpose behind these enhancement cores. I almost feel like they're just there because they were introduced previously. I think that there needs to be more meaning behind the things that you acquire and how you acquire them to allow you to further your guardian in power and light level. Think about D1 where if you were to rank up to the highest light level, you literally had to play the raid. And not only once, but you had to grind out the raid, open up every one of those chests, including the ones that guaranteed those materials called Radiant Shards and Ascendant Shards. Remember that? Yeah. I like that system a lot better than the system we have here with these enhancement cores. I think that the old system they had back in vanilla Destiny it created a much greater purpose in the raid activities, right? Where everybody universally had a reason to play the raid. And if you were to level up to the maximum level, you had to play the raid. Yeah, I, I think the whole mod system and everything needs to be reworked when it comes to mods, when it comes to enhancement cores. I, I, I realized like this was what they have this is like the infancy of these uh, things because they just introduced Masterworks like uh, it was like the towards the tail end of 2017 you know so we've had them for just a little bit over a year but I would like them to hopefully iterate upon that and you know give us like actual mods that things that matter they're they're, they're tangible you see them on your weapon and things like that you know I, I would like to see that more uh, be adopted. I agree. I want for there to be a greater purpose for me to explore the planets that they built in the game, make it feel special. Imagine if, in order for you to level up your character to the maximum, you had to play Nightfalls and get materials from different Nightfalls and the different planets that you have to fight through. And they all yeah, have like... materials there that you had to farm in order to level up to the max level for the gear that are specific, let's say, to strikes. And that's not even there yet. We don't have armor that's, you know, strike-specific. That would be really cool. That would give us a greater purpose to play endgame activities. Yeah, like in, like in Borderlands, like where you would get, like, things, components that would allow you to increase your, your scope distance by, like, 10% or increase... Uh, your base damage by like five percent you know just these these things these tangible things you could put on your weapons and you know i think that would be more of a beneficial you know change yeah you know i i agree 100 percent. totally agree on yeah, that so. on the on the topic of end game let's talk about raids and some of the changes that were implemented with this new update for the raids and let's go over some of those. For Scourge of the Past, they fixed a couple things. Uh, they fixed an issue where players could initiate damage phase for the boss encounter too early. And also they fixed an issue 
where the Like a Diamond Flawless Triumph was not being rewarded properly. That would suck. Can you imagine? Wow. What? What exact? Oh, so that's the like, like a, like a diamond is the flawless triumph that you get for Scourge of the Past. Apparently, it wasn't working for some people, and it wasn't rewarding the proper drop credit. Yeah, that's like insanity. That that is the definition of insanity, right wow. there. That's that's no bueno. That's not acceptable. But I'm really happy that it's finally being fixed again. When did Scourge of the Past come out? Uh, Black Armory. And then, like, the, the first week of Black Armory, like, was it, like, Friday first or something? First week of December? Uh, yeah, first week of December. Yeah. It was, like, that Friday of it, uh, the Black Armory. It's draft. almost 60 days after Bungie. Think about that. Yeah. It's a pretty big issue for you to have in the game, and for somebody who's a hardcore player who, who invested the energy and the time to get this completed... For them to not get the reward, that's pretty maddening. That's That sucks. Please fix the game. But good job on fixing this. Just please do it in less time than 60 days because it almost devalues your endgame activities, right? If that were to happen to somebody, I'm sure they would not want to play Scourge of the Past. But you get the drift. Enough on that. Let's move on to Black Armory and Forges. They fixed your favorite. Yeah, right. Especially the Fallen Walkers. Yep, I will admit I love Fallen Walkers. I do, but they fixed an issue where players were not being properly credited when consuming keys for the mysterious box quest. I haven't experienced that issue. They went on to fix the Forge emblem now being awarded from Forge completions rather than Forge-specific bounties completions. I did notice that one. I did actually get the emblem for the Burgusia Forge um, last night, so I did notice that. Very cool on that. And then they fixed modulus reports and ballistic logs will now go to the postmaster if lost. Cap on modulus report remain at 15 per account. Okay. When hunting for high-value targets on Nessus from Civic's Delivery Note quest step, all players who damage the enemy will be given credit towards the kill. Thank you. That's welcome and change. Players can no longer purchase weapon frames if the pursuit bucket is full. Black Armory lore drops have been increased to 20% up from 10% and successful forge completions are now required to earn the reward. Hmm. Hallelujah. Okay, that's good. Okay. Now weapon here's the real frame exciting updates. for you. <laughs> Ballistic logs no longer removed at reset. Thank you. Finally, you fixed it because I have been a victim of this for the past three weeks. I was a victim for one week because I didn't understand it completely. But then I just had to like make sure I didn't have them on me or have a frame on me. Otherwise, I'd get like locked out of the frames for that week. But sounds like they're finally... They finally addressed this. It's a welcoming change, and I think it needed to happen a lot sooner than 
almost two months after the content is out. I have been affected by this personally and I can tell you it sucks and it makes me not want to continue grinding this activity each week because it makes me feel like my time isn't being respected and I understand it's not a glitch that they intended to happen but at the same time I think they need to put better efforts into testing out bugs especially bugs like this it's a pretty big deal and my philosophy is if this is a bug that would affect somebody completing the objective and the activity especially with endgame content and you do not get your intended reward that should be priority one to test and also to fix because that will affect how people play this game and for the people who are playing the game as their hobby they will play less with these things happening in game but that's my rant on this topic um, let's move on to ritual frame uh, quests are now being carried across reset and refunded into purchased currency Gold frames are being refunded to one ballistic log. Silver frames are being refunded into three modulus reports. And any instances where a radiant matrix was removed on weekly reset, players should stop having the frames go missing from Ada's inventory on week-to-week -week basis. Also, players may still only purchase up to two gold frames per week. Uh, finally, all Nessus Fallen Captain high-value targets around the Exodus Black will now spawn correctly. For public events, Whisper on IO now occurs more frequently. We're going to talk more about that in just a bit. Uh, but let's move on to uh, some general fixes and Eververse fixes. Uh, we have an issue fixed where fastidious miser triumph was not properly unlocking for players they fixed an issue where veteran of the hunt emblem was using the wrong art they also fixed an issue where the knife flip emote did not properly loop for eververse they fixed an issue where summer's altar and jupiter's midnight sparrow shared the same appearance they fixed an issue where visions of iron bundle and form given function bundle did not show correct messages if players did not own proper dlc entitlements for purchase and finally the rasmussen ghost projection will now have the correct imagery and that was the patch notes patch notes update 2.1.4 in a nutshell in a big nutshell. A mouthful. Wow. You can say that. We got through it together, yeah. Guardians. I hope everybody is uh, more knowledgeable now upon uh, learning this. Uh, so, you know, go forth and uh, test all to your heart's content. Guardians make their own fate. Remember that, so Guardians. I, so I've heard. So we heard. What do you think about update? 2.1.4 in Destiny 2. There are so many like changes I have to test them. I don't think I'll be able to test everything, but I'm going to play the game as I do, and if I feel like doing a certain subclass or 
certain weapon type or things of that nature, you know, then I'll do that and I'll give proper feedback when it's it's warranted. So I think these are all good changes and lots of good quality of life changes too in here to make people's lives a little less stressful when playing the game. Hopefully more people will now give the forges and give the frames more of their time not being put off by the shenanigans that were occurring from the weapon frames. So with all that said, good, very good. I think all of these changes are welcoming. The only one that I think is very interesting for them not to have mentioned at all is One-Eyed Mask, and that's the one armor piece that every Titan is wanting if you don't already have it. There's been an addendum. They have talked about it. Somebody did address it. And Bungie is going to be in the upcoming uh, either TWAB or in some upcoming like hot fixes. Uh, they're going to address the one-eyed mask. Interesting. So they did uh, talk yeah. about fixing it. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think it was interesting for them not to have mentioned it with this update. Maybe it just was a timing issue, is what I believe for this to be. But nonetheless, I think this update was very substantial to creating a sense of balance in the Crucible. But not only that, I think this update was critical in making your Guardian feel special again. Because every single super ability, with the exception of two, got a proper buff. And Bungie further promised to add more buffs to make them more useful in the game. And I think these are all promising changes. Their promise initially made to make your guardian feel stronger, right? That was the theme of Forsaken, to give you more powers in the game, to make them feel special, to make your guardian feel special again. And I think they're refining what Destiny is with this update, and I think it's a very substantial update. And I'm very curious to see how these changes affect competitive uh, Crucible, especially. I think these are all great changes and welcoming fixes that will make the game feel more enjoyable and more special and a more appealing game for people who maybe left because, hey, they didn't get their drop that week from the Forge or the Black Armory. Yeah, I mean... Again, we got to test all this out. This update just dropped yesterday. Yeah. So it's fresh. It's new. Everybody, I can, I can see it. Like, I was in Crucible. I was just seeing everybody, like, some people were using different things. Like, now that the last word is active in the game, I got killed by that a few times. So I'm sure now that's going to become meta because it's the last word. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Hey, speaking of the last word, this brings us to the next segment on the show. The last word is live. The quest is available for all Guardians to complete. If you haven't already done so, you can go ahead and speak to the Drifter, and he will give you a special quest that allows you to continue on your path to acquiring the last word. Yeah, um, I'm still at it. I'm still plugging away at it. I'm going to be doing it after I'm done with the podcast tonight. (laughs) Yep, that's what I'm going to be working on as well. 
working on getting my last word so I can test it out and see how it compares, especially against weapons like Luna's Howl. I'm really curious to see how this will affect competitive landscape because Luna's Howl has become a meta in the game. If you don't have it, your real alternative is Ace of Spades until now. Yeah, if you don't have it, uh, good luck on getting not forgotten if you don't have Luna's Howl. Um, what, which I don't. Wait, what are you talking about? Is a, a not for what? <laughs> exactly, right? What is that? <laughs> already, already forgot. Is that a weapon? <laughs> is that a weapon or is that like a way of life? It became forgotten or not forgotten. Yeah, I hope getting the last word will hopefully not replace Luna's, but give it some competition now that maybe I can go in there and actually combat somebody with Luna's and maybe have some success. Do you think that the launch of this quest line was more in line with what Bungie intended? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you get lore when you get the quest, and as you progress through the quest, you get a lore book. And everything. I don't want to spoil anything because I, I want everybody to be able to experience it. But it's cool because you literally get to read through this lore as you're playing the quest. So you're you're getting that you know the telling of the, this tale and everything. You're getting the gaps filled in, so to speak, as where you were getting quests in Destiny One, you weren't getting all this lore. But now you are. You're being filled in yeah. for people who don't know about the lore yeah when it comes to the last word i've enjoyed the lore that we got i don't want to spoil anything in terms of what the context of it was uh you can all go ahead and play the mission yourselves and enjoy it yourselves and maybe next week we'll talk about it once everybody will have had a chance to experience this activity for themselves and we'll be sure to give, uh, if there is a spoiler warning, we'll, we'll be sure to annotate that in the podcast. Yeah. Well, we're going to try to be spoiler-free as much as we can. I think Bungie executed really well on this quest because it worked as it was intended. Nothing was broken about this quest. Everything worked fine, and we got some story in the quest. The last word is one of the most popular weapons in, in the Destiny franchise. If you think about it, the last word is a crucible weapon, no? Uh, yeah, it's known for being a highly coveted crucible and weapon. This could yeah. be the, the very first step in them fixing the crucible and making it something that people can enjoy playing. Because it's been, it's been broken for quite some time now, and I think this is going to be the biggest step that Bungie has taken thus far to giving the Crucible a little bit more life. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely introducing a new exotic, well, not a new exotic, a returning exotic from uh, Destiny 1, putting it back in the player's hands and allowing people different play styles. Who, some people who haven't played Destiny 1, they don't know the power of the last word. So people are now getting to experience that and it allows for these different play styles to to emerge and you know it's it's going to be interesting to see because I, i'm excited to try it out i've been wanting to play it for a while you know getting competitive with it and see how i do how i fare with it 
Now, I agree 100% with you on this one. Um, I'm pretty excited to check out the last word, especially in competitive and crucible overall. I think it's going to enhance the crucible, and I'm very curious to see how this affects Luna's Howl and some weapon that I keep hearing about. It's called Not Forgotten, but I think it's a mystery. It's not real. can't be real. Um, let's talk about the trailer that we saw for The Last Word and the end of it more specifically and what it kind of foreshadowed. Yeah, this is going to be uh, going to give you a quick spoiler warning here. Uh, we're going to talk very briefly about this. Um, so if you do not want to hear anything about this, then just cover your ears for a minute or two. Um, go get a drink. Did you get to... Yeah, or go make a bacon burger. Mm, bacon burgers, I like it. You're making me yeah. hungry now. <laughs> I can't wait to eat. Did you see the trailer? I did. Like, you saw what was at the end of it, right? When they said every hero needs a villain and everything. And you saw the shots that came from those projectiles. Those were definitely those were thorn projectiles. Exactly. So, and that was a showcase for the last word, basically. So, on the tail end of that, this, this weapon has a connection to... Let's just say it. We know what weapon it is. It's the weapon of sorrow, the thorn, basically. You know, the the very iconic thorn weapon from uh, D1. And uh, it was a weapon of Dredge and Yore. And with the Drifter being tied to all these things, you know, where we got the last word quest through the Drifter, how is it also going to tie in with the possible thorn, which we're probably going to be getting in the season of the Drifter during Joker's Wild? I would not doubt that. I I very much believe that we will be getting the thorn back in the game. I do find it interesting that the last three exotic weapons that we will have gotten were hand cannons if you think about it because we have ace of spades thorn or not thorn well now thorn yeah and the last word that we just got yeah now yeah the basically yeah i mean the hand cannon the exotic hand cannons the holy well the holy trinity if you want to include the holy for the holy trinity for d1 was uh hawkmoon too so if you put Hawk, Moon, Thorn, and Last Word, that, that was the holy trinity of hand cannons. Well, and speaking of, speaking of Hawkmoon, there are rumors going around that Hawkmoon may be coming back also. And this is just speculation at this time. There's no hard proof evidence of that happening. But some Guardians do believe that Hawkmoon will be coming back in Destiny 2. Yeah. Yeah, it, they're tying these like things together, like how last word is tied to thorn, basically, which also rose. The rose is the sister weapon of the thorn. That's going to be coming. Like again, we're in spoiler territory. I hear that's coming in Penumbra, and everything. And Hawkmoon is coming after Penumbra. So these are all things I've heard. Again, rumors, um, but it's almost a foregone conclusion that Thorn will be coming back in Joker's Wild. 
and the way that these uh, weapons are tied together, it's it interesting story basically like Bungie is telling here. There that allows for very interesting story beats. It's it's very fascinating and to see. And let's not forget that we still have the story of Mara Sav and her brother, right? Aldrin Sav came back to life, so now it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this character this coming fall. Are we going to see him in the tower as the next Hunter Vanguard? Is that possible? We're going to have, we're going to have some things right. to talk about next week when it comes to that, because um, the Queen's Court has some revelations that I really want to dig into next week. Mm, interesting. On the podcast. So for next week's episode of the Destiny Show podcast, make sure to tune in for... Mara Sav and Aldrin Sav and our thoughts and our speculations on what will happen next. Yes. Everybody can come back now. Spoiler talk is over. Welcome back, Guardians. Thank you for joining back. I hope you had a good coffee break. Uh, we have a few more things to talk about before we wrap things up for the night. Let's talk about conversations from the Reddit community. First up, we have a pretty big change to a very popular quest in destiny 2 a few weeks before forsaken launched or maybe like a month before forsaken launched and that was the whisper quest it's now available on every public event on io they brought it basically full-time now so you don't have to wait for the weekend you know it's it's available all the time now it's available every day that... and it spawns after every public event from my understanding yeah in that area whatever that area is called i can't recall yeah. what the area is off the top of my head but yes what are your thoughts on this change because that that's a pretty big change from what we had before with yeah i mean it gives everybody a chance to do it people who haven't gotten the weapon yet now everybody has a chance to get it i think it's something that's good because Gating uh, weapons and things aren't always wonderful, especially for people who don't have the time, you know, have very limited time to do it. If something's weapon's been out for a while, I, I don't mind them doing things like this to change it up, to allow people more of the opportunity to pursue the weapon. It gives people more of the opportunity to create more content, too. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in favor of this change, and here's why. I think that... I agree with how the Whisper mission first started out by only being available on the weekends. It gave it a sense of mystery. It gave it a more special feeling in knowing that, well, you can only get this activity completed during this limited time window, right? It makes it feel more special, and it gives you a greater incentive to play that activity on Friday so that... You know, you get it done right when it's available. It, it makes it into an event, and I like that. I do think that the at this point in time, if you don't have the Whisper, just creating a more user-friendly path for users who haven't gotten it to be able to get it. Because now, if you just start playing Destiny, most people are moved on to other activities, or like Escalation Protocol. You don't see a lot of LFG posts from people wanting to do these activities that were from, let's say, Vanilla Destiny 2, right? And this gives people more of a chance to get the weapon 
because it's available full-time now. And I think that's, that was a good move. It shows something very critical about Bungie as a company because it shows that they are starting to respect the player's time and they're creating mechanisms that allow you to catch up in an easier and more friendly way. And I'm all for that. Make the game feel special, but yeah. allow for yeah. people a season or two later to be able to acquire these weapons without the, the greater burden of trying to find a group on a Friday when people are moving on to playing Scourge of the Past, for example, or playing Forges, or playing Comp to try to get Luna's Howl. There's a very interesting theme at work here, too. Um, this is all during the post-Activision era, too. This is happening post-Activision, basically. So with Activision not have their finger on the pulse of Destiny anymore, Bungie is awarded the opportunity to make these changes more frequently. Definitely. So moving on, let's talk about exotic hand cannons. And before we do that, we are going to kind of go back to spoiler territory. So if you do not want spoilers, please take another break. Go get another burger. You know, go grab grab a cheeseburger, a bacon burger. Yeah, right? get uh, get that. Uh, get some fries. Who's my French fries? Get that Uber. Uber over eats. your house. Get some get some food. It'll be at your door in no time. Or you know what? Here's a better idea. Try Hello Fresh because it's awesome. It teaches you how to cook for yourself. And right after the show's over, guess what? I'm going to go and make me some of my HelloFresh that I just got. So try it out, maybe. I'm not getting paid for this, I promise. We're not being sponsored, although we should be getting sponsored just out of HelloFresh, if you're listening, please sponsor us. Pretty I do use your product, and I do enjoy them very much as Cornholio. We get to enjoy awesome quality food without having to go to the store and pick out ingredients like you literally give us especially me somebody who doesn't cook you give me the opportunity you know the uh, options to actually learn how to cook and cook for myself and amazing freaking meals so kudos on that but and the great thing is is you have the recipes too when you're done you you have them you don't have to you know you have them in your arsenal you can recook you buy go buy these the ingredients at the store and you can cook these meals yourself okay so hand cannons let's talk about hand cannons and some of the guardians out there feel on reddit that we are getting too many hand cannon exotic weapons in the game being the seventh one that we have gotten in destiny 2 having been all hand cannons do you think that we have too many hand cannons and not enough fusion rifles or auto rifles or scout rifles there is a abundance of hand cannons, it seems like, but it just it goes with the gunslinger mentality, the way of the outlaw, the that sharpshooter, you know. It's like you're you're living out your space western when you have a hand cannon. You're living you living a fantasy. Um, I love hand cannons. I love exotic hand cannons. Um, so I don't think there's too many because I just say the more the merrier. Bring them on. Bring them all on. Because I want them all, and I will grind for them all. So you don't feel that other exotics should maybe get a little bit of more love? Maybe rocket launchers, I, for example? 
I think they should, yes. I think on top of hand cannons, we should be getting more rocket launchers. We should be getting more exotic scouts. Um, we should be getting more exotic auto rifles. Um, um, cough Gallerhorn? Cough, cough? cough yeah. Cough? I'm a proponent of loot. I think the game needs more loot. I would love a showering of loot in some instances, but exotics, yes, make them special, put them along quest lines, the ones that need to be with quests, and the ones that are more, like, you know, should be random drops. You know what I would love? The Dark Drinker sword. Think about yeah, that. Yeah, some more swords. Absolutely. Let's more exotic more swords. swords. More machine guns. We only have three right now, and that's Avalanche, Thunderlord, and uh, Hammerhead. Just three. Three. And only Can one we... exotic. Can we please get more of those, too? So when they say that there's too many exotic hand cans incoming, based on all the other exotics, I guess you could agree with that. But just my uh, mentality is I want them all. Well, yes. I want everything. Would you rather get them all spread out or would you rather just get like a season where you get all hand cannons another season where you get all pulse rifles where would you I guess rather... if I had my choice I would like them spread out okay yeah I think spreading them out would make more sense too because yes we're getting a lot of hand cannons but if you spread it out a bit more I feel it would give us a more variety and things to chase and it would make the meta a lot more interesting. Unless what they're going for is the seasons of these. Like, we're in the season of the hand cannon, basically, with all these hand cannons coming. We're in the seasons of the hand cannons, actually, with the way just this is playing out. Just the name. Just call it seasons of the hand cannons already. Just do it. Just yeah, do it. I mean, with, you know, Last Word and Thorn coming in, um, Joker's Wild... Rose coming in Penumbra and Hawkmoon possibly coming in the fall, you know, yeah, you're just getting the hand cannons back to back to back to back. And you're right. To back to back to back. Was in Forsaken. So literally a hand cannon every season. <laughs> Give me a pulse rifle. The Red Death. Red Death. Outbreak Prime. Um, yeah, like fill in the blank for scouts. Like, what other... Was there any good exotic scouts in D1? Well, uh, Vision of besides, Confluence? That's right. It became an exotic. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, we could be foreshadowing that. Possibly fall content. Maybe uh, Vault of Glass 2.0, possibly. And the return of uh, some of those uh, coveted weapons. So um, Vex Mythic Class? That's terrific class. Yeah, that would be pretty absolutely. cool. That would be pretty yeah. awesome. So, yeah, so final thoughts on this. Are you happy with the way we're getting this content with all these hand cannons being given to us with Season of the Hand Cannons, or would you rather them, you know, do it a little differently? I, I would like to see the variety of the weapons come in with the exotics, but we don't completely know. There could be. They haven't talked about it, and maybe that's through Discovery, and this is the change that they're willing to do now that we're in post-Activision. Yeah. Time will tell, but it's interesting to stay on top of this conversation and more. So let's move on and talk about Shards of Galanor. There was a buff. Mm. I guess there's um there's a small little buff, I guess, that they did. Let's just... Uh, they Somebody tested it, looks like. 
and you get 75% of your super back. They, they made the change to 75%. It was 90%. But um, I guess after testing it, somebody found out that when they tested it five times on the Mars Lost Sector boss, after they get five to six ad kills with heavy lifting, your super is 100% back. So I guess it just it, it depends on the way each situation plays out. Because when I used it before the you know, the update on enemies, like if I there was a group of enemies and I like nailed all my shots with the you know with the blade barrage, I would get my super all the way back. So, I mean, this is situational. It sounds like to me, um, your mileage may vary. It seems like it's nerf in PvP but it maybe could be a buff in certain circumstances in PvE. Very interesting. So that allows them to balance specific weapons to accommodate what activity you're playing. If you're playing PvP, it'll have certain perks to make it more fair and balanced in that activity. And then when you're playing PvE, if the developers intend for you to be more powerful, they can make the weapon more powerful in the PvE sandbox. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the way they have it, the way they, the changes uh, took place, they're, they're now having where the detonation from, it's going to be more of a delayed detonation from the blades. It's not going to immediately explode. There's going to be like a little split second delay. Now, that's why they decreased the damage far as impact or far as the when they hit but when they explode is when they're going to do their damage we'll have to yeah. test it out more as the weeks progress definitely a very interesting revelation from a fellow member of the destiny community on reddit and uh yeah let's move on to the weekly reset for this week and we have new nightfalls this week we have the Lake of Shadows, we have a Garden World, and we have Will of the Thousands. Wow, Shadows is back again, huh? Too bad they nerfed proximity grenade that uh, on uh, the grenade launchers. So I don't know how great Militia's Birthright will be, how it will be sought after as much as it was before. Now that we finally got it, right? Yeah, and I do have one with proximity, but now that they made the change, I feel like it's not going to be as good. Again, I have to test it. I haven't had a chance to yet, but... Yeah, and then we also have the Flashpoint this week on EDZ on the European Dead Zone. Can... <laughs> I already completed it. I did a Lost Sector ten times on EDZ. <laughs> have you done any heroic adventures or public events? I did, like, one public event, but no heroic adventures. Wow, no heroic adventures. See, we're yeah. not chasing after that powerful engram anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. So it changes the game kind of, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like other um, powerful engrams are more weighted in other areas than, like, say, the Flashpoint yeah. and everything. So. Also, the weekly Crucible playlist is Mayhem. Mayhem is great. Good times. If you want a quick match, you go in there and you get your Valor really quick. I love being able to play using your supers. I think that's fun. It, it's just such a fun mode. I enjoy it a lot. 
I think that they should do something really cool with it. Maybe maybe around faction rallies. Create like a mode that's specific to mayhem. Maybe make it like a fusion between mayhem and control. And you have to like hold territories. It'd be really interesting to see them make it something that's available on a more consistent basis rather than something that comes back once a month. Yeah, it'd be nice if there was more implemented in the playlists more often. Yeah. Then for Heroic Strikes for the Burn, you have Void Singe this week. So equip your Guardian accordingly for that. And moving on, you have the Dreaming City. The curse is strong this week. And the Shattered Throne is active. Guardians, do you know what that means? Go get your Izanagi's burning. No, 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 no. Do you really know what this means, bro? What's this mean? We we get to share a really awesome experience together now. That's really awesome and great. We get <laughs> to play the Shattered Throne again. Are you excited? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that's me, Mr. Excitable. <laughs> it's so easy to get him excited. All I have to do is say Shattered Throne, and he's like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> And then, of course, we have Escalation Protocol that nobody plays anymore. Unless you want to... Well, actually, people do when they're trying to get Hive kills. Well, (laughs) yes, that's true. If you're getting your Hive kills... And frames. That's repurposing content and making it playable again for reasons of acquiring new stuff in the game. I like that. Please do that more often, Bungie. Imagine if we got quests that take you around the Escalation Protocol... And you have to complete different activities in it. They can do so much. They really should. Yeah, I feel like that was their first big effort at like giving us an activity that was, uh, let's just say, you know, more dynamic than some of its predecessors. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about like Prison of Elders though, because Prison of Elders is probably like their best attempt at like a horde mode that has been. Um, so hopefully they, you know, they're they're giving they're they're cooking up some more activities for us that will be more interesting as the time goes on in our destiny life. Yes, and Shadow, before we wrap things up for the night, I do want to share with you that your favorite raid for this week will have bathers, followed by the dogs, followed by gauntlets, followed by callus. So now you know the oh. order of your favorite raid in the game. Oh boy. I mean, did I just die and go to heaven? <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a great conversation today about all of the different changes that took place this week in our favorite game, Destiny. And I'm really excited for the future of this game and the, the franchise with the game being in Bungie's hands now, and we're starting to see the very beginning of what Bungie will give us in the future with the sandbox, with the weapons that we're getting now, and the weapons that we will be getting in the future and beyond. And I'm really excited to be part of this conversation, and I'm really excited to have you here with me to talk about the game that we started playing together back in 2014 during the beta. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's nice to be able to have some good discussion, you know, good talking points based on, you know, a game we've we've put so much of our life into, basically. We literally have put our life into this game. So it's uh, nice to be able to pay it forward and now be able to, you know, give our message, bring our message to people as well. Definitely. What we're about. Absolutely. And thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. Guardians, you can find us each and every week on your favorite podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, any platform where you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find The Destiny Show right there each and every Thursday. You can also find us right on our website at www.thedestinyshow.com. We're also on Twitter at The Destiny Show. And you can find me personally on my Twitter account at OMG Cornholio. And Shadow Price. This leads me to ask you, where can we learn more about you? You can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. And when I stream, usually, I will be on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash I am ShadowPrice. And that will be starting up soon, so Guardians, watch out for that. Mm-hmm. And yes, and thank you everyone for joining us today for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. It's been fun speaking with you about all of the new changes that came out with update 2.1.4, and I look forward to many more conversations about Destiny and Bungie. Yeah, I want to thank our guest, too, who came on, uh, Ralks, tonight. He was a great, awesome voice in the Destiny community, and um, and pour one out for Fallen Padre, Anthrax, who could not make it due to technical issues tonight, but we will be sure to have him back on next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. Have a good night, everyone. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Are you worried you don't have all the answers? Have you ever found yourself in an internet rabbit hole? Call Call Mystery Mystery Time Time Live today. today! It's a new detective business. With plenty of heart. And a questionable track record. We're only in the office for an hour. Every Wednesday. Come hang out. Solve a mystery. It's a podcast. It's a live show. It's a swell time. Subscribe Subscribe now. now.
The producers of Mysteries High Life asked me not to take any advice or guidance of the host because they have no idea what they're doing. No Mysteries High Life can be totally solved. They must individualize with any of the outside source or sheer luck. You can find them live on Twitch app and find their podcast later on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and iTunes. Listening may cause hurtful to your death or loss of sanity. We are sorry. This is probably legally binding and you cannot do it. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.